show yet again with the Suicide Puppets latest hit single, Hate You Right Back, off their up-and-coming album Tales of Living and Dying on Slaughter Ridge Road, dropping October 30th. Guys, I'm loving this record. I may or may not have already heard the whole goddamn thing, but whatever I have heard, I'm absolutely in love with. Stay tuned for Veritas Suicide's Psycho of the Week, immediately preceding this new song. Ladies, gentlemen, minefielders, puppet army, give you my close personal friends the suicide ones. yesterday found dismembered human body parts human body parts stuffed in a suitcase in a popular neighborhood they quickly called in a medical examiner to confirm that those remains were indeed human Our murder case out of Pennsylvania and telling investigators where to find the body are facing murder charges. Instead, he shot and killed that man and then buried the body on his family's property.
Welcome Moundfielders and Puppet Army to Veritas Suicide Psycho of the Week. I'm Veritas Suicide Drummer of the band Suicide Puppets. If you haven't heard by now, we have an album being released on October 30th through Unable Records. Go to unablerecords.com, click on the photo of our album, and pre-purchase your copy today. This week's psycho is none other than David Parker Ray, the notorious toy box killer. Hailing from a small town known as Elephant Butte, just outside of Truth of Consequences, New Mexico. Another classic case of a man who was bullied and ignored by other kids, as well as having an abusive alcoholic father. Ray was introduced to sadomasochist pornography at a young age. His trouble speaking to women only fueled his bondage fantasies that eventually blossomed into his penchant for kidnapping, torturing, and eventually murdering his victims. His toy box was actually a small travel trailer that sat on his property. Inside he had every instrument of torture he could think of that goes way beyond the simple imagination of the Fifty Shades of Grey crowd's ideas of whips and chains. Inside was a modified dental chair with stirrups. A mirror was installed in the ceiling as well as many video cameras so his victims could watch above or on the video monitors that were also present. The filthy details of his crimes were thankfully let out of the public eyes. True crime books would detail things such as reporters arriving to the scene of the crime to find the most hardened cops running out of the toy box to vomit after what they just watched on Parker's VCR. Videotapes found would show Ray inserting cattle prods into victims and smoke pouring out. His accomplices included his daughter that he had an incestuous relationship with, as well as her husband. Ray and his girlfriend and other accomplices would find women at bars around Truth or Consequences that looked lonely, easy targets. Those who would frequent bars for solace from their abusive husbands or recent divorcees, prostitutes, you get the picture. They would drug and abduct them and take them to the toy box. They would dispose of their victims by wrapping them in tarps and weighing them down with concrete blocks and brick and dumping them into the nearby Elephant Butte Lake. Still to this day, where the lake dries enough, they still dredge for bodies. Eventually, one of the victims managed to get away and fled to a nearby neighbor's house that sheltered her and called the cops. Ray and his accomplices were quickly apprehended. A short trial later, Ray was sentenced to life in prison, where he would eventually die. It must be noted that Ray apparently wrote a book in prison about how to properly stalk, torture, and kill victims. It's one of those urban legends that the book exists in an FBI vault, never see the light of day. These are the reasons why I have chosen David Parker Ray as your Psycho of the Week. I'm Veritas Suicide, and this has been Psycho of the Week.
Minefielders, as usual, I got a surprise for you. A little mini interview with Andy Belanger. He's also known as Bob the Animal Anger. Wrestling for the International Wrestling Syndicate in Canada. Mm. Yeah, he's a wrestler too. Comic artist, writer, mother trucker, wrestlers in space, big titties, murders. Uh, if you don't remember him, or if it rings a little bit of a bell, also the co-creator and artist of Seven Cross and Image Comic Books. And artist for, ooh, one of the best comics I've read in quite a long time, Pound for Pound on TKO Comic Books. He's got a Kickstarter coming up, promoting a badass new comic book, and we want to tell you all about it. And you're going to have to hear about it for the next, ooh, I don't know, 22 days, because that Kickstarter's running hot. We've got lots of different t- types of packages you can get for the comic book itself. You want to get original art, you want to get, you want to pay $40,000 for them to show up and beat you up in your own house, it's on there. Guys, minefielders, fans of Bob the Animal Anger, I give you Andy Belanger. And yeah, are you, uh, have you been recording the whole time, or are we recording now? I just started recording, don't worry. Alright, cool. Uh, yeah, Mother Trucker. So Mother Trucker is like five years in the making. I became a pro wrestler to make Mother Trucker. And I mean, when I say pro wrestler, I get paid to wrestle, but I'm an indie wrestler in the Montreal scene for IWS, XCW, uh, been on C4 in Ottawa. Um, uh, I, I do some shows in um, Toronto as well. Uh, uh, so basically, I was, I was living in Toronto and never hearing about wrestling. I think the thing was, was Toronto had like an insurance problem. Mm-hmm. in the 2000s so they couldn't there I, I just wasn't seeing shows like i lived downtown and there was never flyers no one i knew went to shows like right. i just didn't know that indie wrestling was a thing because at all getting that license in Toronto. getting that license to wrestle or to have a show it, like a combat thing is next to impossible in some places yeah so i think that's what they had mm-hmm. and then in 2012 uh i moved to to montreal and I, I was doing uh, video game stuff for Blood Dragon. I did the, the trailer animation for Blood Dragon. And my buddies who worked on that with me took me out to uh, two live shows, Battle War and IWS. Battle War is kind of like the one you, you were throwing in a metal club. Yeah. And then IWS was getting like these kind of like crazy old school looking theaters, you know, where you see like Phantom of the Opera and shit. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, it was really cool. And uh, I started going to them and just, like, obsessed. Like, my entire love of wrestling. I was obsessed with wrestling up until I was 18. You know, Attitude Era and before that, the 80s and Hogan, Macho, yeah. Undertaker, you know, Bret Hart. Like, I was just obsessed my whole life, as, as much as I was with comics. Um, but I, I just, once I be, went into fine art, I just wasn't, like, aware it was going on. So I kind of missed the Cena era. Um so when I when I went to those live shows, I just got hooked. We'd go get loaded, yell at wrestlers. Yeah, it's the most like going to an indie wrestling show is one of the most fun things you can do. It, it was, is the as a as a fan, it is if you're you like to chirp and you like to get loud, it's the funniest. And then I started meeting the wrestlers, and I started doing like posters for them, and like 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 event posters and, and t-shirts and I've been doing t-shirts. I'm doing all that thing. kind of stuff. And uh, uh, Shane Hawk, who was uh, on Chikara, right. he um, he and I became friends, and uh, he got me to come out to the IWS Dojo, which was like their training facility. And um, 
at the training facility. I started getting into it, and then I was doing Southern Cross, so I took some time off, came back, and I've been there ever since for five years. And the idea was I wanted to get into wrestling to make this crazy wrestling comic, which eventually became Mother Trucker. And but by by that you mean you wanted to get so ingrained in the culture that what you wrote was true blue, and no one could be like, "Oh, he made this stuff. He don't know what the hell he's talking about." That's yeah, I don't like writing about stuff that I don't know or haven't experienced. Yeah, you can't even though I write the most far out sci-fi crazy stuff, the, the the stuff that happens in the comics, like I've kind of been through. So I wanted to understand, you know, the the language, which is all kind of based on Carney language. It's like a metamorphosis of that, and it keeps changing. Like I was here, I'm, I'm even hearing like kind of like new stuff where, um, you know, there's little little code words for things like, um, you know, what's a good code word that I can think of? Like uh, like shoot um, work, kayfabe. Oh, yeah, yeah, shirt shoot work, all that stuff. Receipt, stuff. yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, giving him the office, like, all kinds of, you know, I'm Gene up, like, just stuff, like, right. real, real, like, code-based stuff that's in wrestling that is, is kind of fun. I wanted to know all of it. It's the best. And now I have so many experiences actually being in a match. Like, I've done hundreds of matches, so, like, I know what it feels like being in the ring. You know, um, the, the guy who did Berserk, that comic, he's got another one, um... Uh, a wrestling one that's amazing. I'm forgetting the title. I just got it too. It's called, what's it called again? Anyway, he has a spot where a guy gives a, like a suplex to the other guy. And he does this one great panel of the one, like of a foot stomping. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's how it. you know to go. Right. That awesome. foot stomp is how you know to go. So I was like, this, this comic is awesome. Like this guy knows wrestling. Like it's really cool. I want it to feel like that, like while the wrestling is is going down. Like I want you to, I want that experience in the drawings. I can't so, wait. Um, I actually got paid today. I'm gonna throw down on the Kickstarter. Which uh, when does the Kickstarter end? Oh man, in like 30 days. Yeah, we got time. That's yeah. why we're gonna be running you on every podcast for yeah, until until it's awesome. over, man. Yeah, like we came out of the gate like like a rocket. It was amazing. But what Mother Trucker is is she's like a She's like a, a like space trucking uh, ass stop and wrestle goddess, and she's titties. on a quest to find her long lost kid and become the greatest champion of Truck Off, which is the WrestleMania of the Starways. Awesome. So Truck Off is like the way Truck Off, the way uh, the universe works is all the truckers are wrestlers, so they're all like gigantic. This they're all beautiful. on roids, but the roids are in the the meat. So all the meat is called burgeroids. This is wonderful. So they, when they eat burgers, it's like they're doing steroids. So they're all like these jack giant he-men looking guys. And this is this whole project is like my he-man. And um, anyway, she she kind of like goes through this like gigantic uh, uh, accident, and you can see the pages in the in the Kickstarter where um, you put it's like it's like WrestleMania three. Truck it's truck off three, and Big Rig is going against Gigant Truck. And he gives them like this slam called the the um, stairway to heaven into the highway to hell. Oh, that's and awesome! And it like blows up Neo Houston, and um, <laughs> she like she like kind of comes out of it rebuilt by. Um, it turns out like in the first one, it turns out she's rebuilt by the bad guy, my Vince McMahon of the universe, and Beautiful. he's rebuilding her because the two the two champions that are uh, in this universe, which is uh, Ricky Heat. Who is like a cross between The Rock and uh, Ric Flair? 
okay. and he's a bit of an older champion. And the new champion, Phil Injection, who's like my Shawn Michaels, they're at war, but like the, the Vince McMahon character can't like like get them under wraps. So he creates Mother Trucker, who who is uh, the wife of Big Rig, my like Hulk Hogan Macho Man, to like take them out. That's wonderful. And um, yeah, so it's super cool. So the whole first like six issues is like there's a match in every issue, so each issue feels like a standalone. But it's her like trials and tribulations into the into the uh, the truck off. And what truck off is is the, in the universe, uh, if you have let's say you know Walmart shipping contract, and my comic is called Bridgemart. If you have the Bridgemart contracts to truck, you have a belt. So all the contracts are belts. All right. 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 And there's like <laughs> highlighter awesome. fish sticks, and like there's all kinds of like different products that people are shipping. You're and people the fight over the, the contracts. Um, I'll roll up on you on my truck and challenge you for your, your, your belt, your contract. And then the back of our trucks transform into rings and we get it on. And as soon as our truck starts to transform, just like fans from the space highways, <laughs> just like start flying just in. Start We're like, Holy shit. And it's like the biggest TV show, like going is like being on the space highways and like a fight breaks out and just like everyone goes and announcers show up on like a, a thing conveniently like plays the, refs. The, yeah, yeah, there's refs, so yeah. everything. Just everything shows up almost instantaneously and like people are freaking out. And uh, if I beat you, I get your contract and your truck. And the truck? <laughs> yeah, so you can't come after me after, right? You can't like okay. immediately come back after me because you have no truck and you have to have a truck to be a trucker. Right? So you're done. So you're just so certain done. certain truckers have like fleets, you know what I mean? And they get like like Phil Injection has like his his uh, DX. So there's like a like a China character and like a Triple H character. His name's Tricy. Tricy. All right, I get it. It's like it's like cunning Chris Cutter. <laughs> yeah, and he's like my Triple H, and um, and uh, yeah, so it's super crazy. So it's all about her like getting into truck off, and truck off is like the WrestleMania of the Starways, and it's basically a, a race around the rings of Saturn while you fight. So. Yeah, all for like the biggest contracts. So let's, it's it's pretty wild. Let's so that's it. that's Mother Trucker, and we launched on Monday, and we had a everything I do is in it, like because I'm in Canada, I had to do everything in Canadian. You can't like change regions mm-hmm. in Kickstarter, so it was like nine thousand nine thousand Canadian, which I think is like sixty seven hundred American. Okay, and we hit we hit that in like three hours. I noticed like, that. I, I, yeah. uh, when I pulled it up in the morning, it was like you were already up to like uh, like six or nine grand already. I can't. It was it was like okay, Andy's got some backing. Um, let's talk about why you picked Kickstarter because guys like us are right now people are fucking pigeonholing us, and you've got a crazy idea that if you put this, if someone took this out of context. They could, they'd want to cancel you or bury your idea, but with Kickstarter, it's fuck you. <laughs> I can do like I'm that's doing... just it. Like I've, I've actually pitched Kickstarter to, uh, or sorry, I've actually pitched Mother Trucker to, uh, uh, pitched it to Black Label at DC. Mm-hmm. I pitched it to Image three times. Um, I, I had a con- like a, I had a, a company in BC that was going to give me something like crazy like 90 grand to do it for a new digital platform that they were going to do wow and and my lawyer and i pulled out of the deal so that we could keep the rights like yeah you need that was rights. a hard day that was a hard two hours of my lawyer being like no you can't do it no you can't do it and i'm like 
ninety thousand dollars. Right. Like, what? And she's like, no, you won't own any of it. Especially like, if they make a million dollars off of it, and you're sitting there with ninety thousand, like a like a chump. Yeah, and this is my baby, my big idea. I don't want people to own it. So when I started to make it, I was like, I know Image would would, would publish it mm-hmm. now, like seeing it, but. I don't think I want anyone else to have it because I'm looking at like the way comics are going. It feels like everything's crumbling and they're making comics, you know, they're, they're after the YA market, you know, which I understand. It's totally cool. It's business. Um, you know, they're they're after that smile money, but, um, it's not the comics that I make and it's not the comics I read when I was a kid. Like when I hit 13, I was done with Marvel and DC and I was reading heavy metal magazine. I was reading Monero and Serpieri and all that stuff all through my teens. Chaos. Yeah. Chaos Comics. Polito, who is rocking. He's a god. Polito rocks. Actually, what's really funny is I had some of my best portfolio reviews with Polito when I was coming up and I was like 19, 20. He, yes. he was the only one I marked out for at Comic-Con in Denver. Everyone else was like, hey, cool, nice to meet you. It was, it was exciting to meet them. But Polito, uh-uh. I was like, I, I need you to How sign dope this. was Evil Ernie and, like, Lady Death? Just the dopest. I was so into that, like, when it was coming out. Like, I bought all that stuff. And um, uh, Tony Moore at the time, he had that book, uh, Battle Pope. Battle, I remember I Battle Pope. It was before Walking Dead. He did Battle Pope, and that mm-hmm. book was freaking awesome and i was into that all that stuff you know chaos comics was super super dope um yeah so that's what i'm getting back to i'm getting back to those comics and carrie nord and i are starting a company called lethal comics and the the tagline is it's a new wave of old school and um we're gonna make the comics we want to make without having to you know appease a a publisher or say and I'm just sorry sick of or, trying to like yeah I'm trying to I'm sick of trying to make something for a publisher that they think is attractive enough to sell I think it's destroying creativity because um, there's so much cool stuff that could be made and Kickstarter is really where it's at when it comes to like unabridged creativity no holding back um, you know what it reminds me of? It, it reminds me of the freedom of hanging out with your best pals in a tattoo shop. Um, like it's just dope conversations, the right people, everyone's in the right frame of mind, respectful. You're listening to whether it, you're listening to hardcore music, whether it's hardcore rap, hardcore metal. Um, you're these guys are making good money on pure, unadulterated, whatever the fuck I want to do art. And yep. it's it's the best thing in the world to me, man. And I'm glad that you're doing this. And uh, I. That, that's what this is. This is like, I'm going to do what the fuck I want art. And I mean, I've wanted to do this for four or five years. Like I became a wrestler to make this. And then COVID actually, what happened was like, uh, I don't, I haven't gotten a good, a real meaty comic gig in two years. Like I got a really great one with James Tinian recently mm-hmm. in his horror anthology, which was like, uh, you know, eight, 10 pages, but I haven't gotten like a series or like one shot or anything. And I feel like my, my art was at its peak. Like I was peaking as far as like that's scary. my art. And I was like, how am I not getting gigs? It's crazy. I was, I was sending samples every single month to Marvel and DC. I know all the editors and just, you know, ghosting crickets. Um, and my, you know, uh, I was scheduled to do Warren Ellis's next book at image. And he kind of like hummed and hawed during the time when I needed to get a gig Right. and the musical chair thing happened and he quit. Right before Christmas. I thought he got canceled and, right before Christmas. And my Christmas. family and I were broke. 
Ouch. And I was like, dude, like I've been waiting for you to write this thing. Like we're scheduled to do it and it didn't happen. So, you know, I was totally broke without a gig. No one's hiring in December. Right. Right. So what happened was I, I got this mega high profile gig in video games, uh, animated and it paid for, it was three months of like the hardest work I've ever done. It was like, um, but it paid my yearly salary in like three months almost. That's awesome. Yeah. So it was like, it was 18 hours, 20 hours a day for, for three months straight, every single day. My wife came in and she was painting because she worked in video games. My mom had to come in and look after our kid. Um, but when it was over, I was burnt out, but we had money for the year. And then I sold Southern Cross to NBC Universal uh, to make an anime. And we got paid from that. So it was like, my wife is, you know, I'm, and I'm sending out sample, 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 just giving her. And my wife is like, and I'm really disappointed, getting really depressed. I can't wrestle, mm-hmm. right? Wrestling, like everything, everything we weren't allowed to leave our houses. Wrestling's gone. We live for that and, shit. What? I said, we live for that shit, man. That was the yeah. worst part yeah, of so it. Yeah, so it was like, I was getting really depressed. And, yeah. um, and then my wife is just like, you know, it, it's now. Like, we have the money. You have to make Mother Trucker now. No. <laughs> so she started like pushing me, and I started drawing it. And um, I had written it when we lived in Italy in 2019. I wrote the script, and I, I went over it again uh, with my friends here. And it was just it was it was time. And I started drawing my ass off on it and sending stuff around uh, to my pals to get like you know notes on scripts and, and art. And um, it, it was just like all coming like the universe was just like you're supposed to do this and then wrestling started in june and i went to my first uh wrestling class again and right at that class speedball came up and he's like you want to do privates and i was like hell yeah i want to do privates like private with mike bailey every single week for like hours like oh my god so my training. wrestling game has gone like <laughs> like Exploded. when animal comes back animal can wrestle I mean, I'm, I'm training with, like, uh, Channing Decker and Dan Housen and, like, Keep going. it's, dude, it's nuts. Uh, like, I don't know if you know a lot of the other indie guys up here. Um, but, yeah, a lot, a lot of the dudes were, were just in class together on Wednesdays. It's private class and we're jamming. And, like, You're gonna have he's, to... teaching me, he's teaching me Japanese wrestling, so it's no longer about five moves of doom. It's, no, it's about strong style, you know, baby. Yeah, strong, <laughs> strong style, but mixed with, like, Hard sequences, right? So you know, my shine, my comeback, and fire, my finish. You know, each one of those things. I understand the philosophy and science behind it, and like I have a, a, a sequence, and he, we've done it maybe you know once to three times every week since gym. I do the same thing, and it's just getting like so nice and perfect and smooth and dope looking and now when i come into a match i'm just like okay shine this is what i do bop, 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 bop. that's awesome man uh, i'm glad that you know you- like if i'm gonna do my if i'm gonna do my comeback and fire right you choke me to the ropes ref break i grab your arm bite kick throw me to the ropes you go for whip i weave angle slam separation up we go for line we both lock arms i get your hand strike judo throw up i never let go of your hand it's like the hulk holding loki i give you a monkey flip up i do the escalera up the top rope down with the yeah and Dude, then you're making me up, happy you man line, you're you making me happy boom i go for my finisher oh you get over on me and we're into our first fall scene 
like that's you know it's like i have all these sequences like i think there's maybe six seven sequences memorized cold so when i come into a match it's just that you can help it out you can you yeah, can instead shine, of before and it's you like shine uh, maybe i'll do this until we do this right so yeah. and what's funny is my the titles of mother trucker are all based on the the wrestling match so the first comic is called the shine the second one is the cutoff the third one is the heat you know, the one after that is the is the comeback and the fault. They're all named after like the mechanics of a wrestling match. Yeah, yeah I, I dig that because the the last time I read a, a comic book that was that knew kind of what they were talking about wrestling was Ringside, and that one came out so uh, it was decent. I I wasn't a big fan of the art. The writing was phenomenal, but like it it came out so sporadically, and like I I'd have to like every time I'd read it, I'd get a new one. I had to go back four issues to remember what the hell was going on. And uh, it sounds like you've got like you've got everything in the can from Mother Trucker and ready to rock and roll. Um, yeah, six 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 issues are written of it. I have the outline and some of the issues written for the six to twelve. Mm-hmm. And what's funny is I wrote six to twelve first because it was about the whole comic was meant to be about Big Rick and his daughter. And then and that that was the whole comic. And then I came in Italy. I think I was looking at so much like Italian comics, you know. <laughs> Like a lot of Monera and Druna and Cerveri and Those all that stuff. I was like, of, I want to make it about. I want to, and and I became really obsessed with like Charlotte Flair, right? Like Charlotte, Charlotte's match in like WrestleMania was my favorite match by far. Yeah, freaking Charlotte yeah. is the best. Like, God, I love Charlotte. She's freaking rad. The the women's wrestling has really stepped their game up. I'm really digging what they're doing in AEW. Um, they're yep. they're bringing in well, shit. My favorite indie wrestler here was Abaddon, and then now she's now she's elite, man. Like and, and she's scary as shit, man. Like she's like you remember how the Undertaker used to scare us. Now this one is like legit terrifying, and it, it it everything's making me happy, dude. But let's let's talk more about Mother Trucker before we wrap up, man. Um, yeah, man. Where what are you hoping that you obviously you want to you want to get Mother Trucker over and. You, this is your own baby. You don't have to worry about anyone telling you what to do, and you're going to do it your way. But are you hoping that you're going to inspire other people and get like a more of a Kickstarter trend going on for people to start doing their own comics? Or is this something that you, you eventually are going to be like, hey, I wasn't trying to be a, a, uh, an icon or anything like that. I, was, I just did what I got to do. Like, What do you want to do for the comic industry after everything you've told me that it's, it's – not really going down, but there's some struggles. Yeah, I, I want people to do what they want to do, right? And like, stop, stop squashing our voices. You know, stop, stop making us try to make something that we think people will buy. Mm-hmm. You know, I my goal whenever I make a comic book is to try and make something that I will buy. And uh, I think Southern Cross was the first thing that I made that I thought I would buy myself i've got every issue brother but you know you're always trying to like like make someone happy you know and in a way that's unhealthy yeah because you know what i mean you forget instead of instead of a way of being you right you know what i mean and uh i wasn't getting i think my entire 17 year career i really wasn't getting to be myself um that was a scary thing before the kickstarter launch i was like oh no people are gonna see how crazy i am yeah (laughs) You're going to get canceled, baby. Yeah. It's like mankind just started making comics. So uh, this comic runs until the 30th? 
No, no, 30 yeah, days. Yeah, the campaign runs until the 30th. And then we wait, like, uh, I think it's, like, anywhere from 10 to 20 days for the, the money to kind of come in. 30th and of once November, the, right? Once the, yeah, there's, like, time for, like, visa and all that stuff. And then uh, I send it to the printer. And um, as soon as it comes back from the printer, we're working with a company called Chit Chat in Montreal. So they do all, like, I, I box everything up here. I've got a giant studio. Like, like Let's this is, it. like, check out, this is the studio. Oh, it used dream. to be uh, a nightclub that was run by the Hells Angels. Oh, you can't see it, but there's like a bar back there and uh, some super gothic wow. bathrooms that are really sweet. Um, but yeah, we, we got this place uh, for like a steal, and it's um, myself and Carl Kershaw. Uh, Terry Nord's coming back. Sweeney Boo's here. Um, Wes Craig was here for a bit, who does Deadly Class. And. Um, uh, in the other side is a video game studio called Cut to Bits, and they uh, they're like a upstart video game company. It was all my pals from Ubisoft. That basically my connections at Ubisoft all quit and started their own video game company and invited me to share the studio. And it's uh, it's like my man cave. Oh, that's wonderful, man. That's wonderful. So how do we find the Kickstarter? Just what do we what do we look for in Kickstarter.com? Well, if you look at, yeah, if you go on kickstarter.com, all you need to do is, is go to Mother Trucker. We're like, we're on the front page for the for a bit. We're in Taking Off. We're in Fresh Favorites. We're like, we're all over it right now because it, it blew up so fast, so quick. And there's a, so, lot of, um, there's a lot of incentives for, there's, you can just buy the single issues. You can buy trade paperback. Um, or, or well, no, we don't have a trade yet, but what you can buy is you can buy the single issue. You can buy uh, alternate covers by Carl Kershaw, who did this sick, like, Capcom-style uh, cover. Uh, Carrie Nord gave me one with some boobs out. Um, it's really funny of uh, Mother Trucker giving everyone the finger with her top off. Um, there's, a, a, like, a complete cover set. There's original artwork I do. There's uh, not-safe-for-work artwork that I do in packs. There's, like, mystery boxes. Um, there's one where you can be in the comic. There's one where I do you a painting. Um, and then there's one that is like $10,000 where I will show up to your house with everything we offer, shoot promos and have a match with you. <laughs> For 10 grand? No one's getting that. No one's getting it. It's 10 grand. No one's getting it. But the reason we did it is we're going to shoot a bunch of promos this week and throughout the, the thing where it's like, we're just going to keep making fun of that. Like, dude, you, you, that I'm going I'm to show up. <laughs> you got to, you got to find like some dopey looking guy. That's a friend of yours. And you just show up at his house and just, you wanted it. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We pretend someone spent 10,000 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just come over and like, and like power bomb him in his kitchen table. Like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Man, Andy, yeah, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming back on the show to talk about the comic. We're going to run this every episode until the Kickstarter is over at the end of November. Cool, um, brother. That's we, awesome. We appreciate everything you do. And if you uh, see Warren Ellis again, tell him why the hell he hasn't finished fucking Fell. Because, <laughs> well, like, he didn't even get started on my thing that I was supposed to do for him, so I don't know what, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, every time, uh, I, bump into, every time I bump into uh, Ben uh, at Comic comic cons i'm like when is 10 coming out oh it's coming out it don't worry and i'm like you're just fucking with me man <laughs> yeah man well hey man it's been a pleasure and thanks again i'm gonna release this tomorrow and uh cool, don't man. worry i'm gonna cut out everything from the beginning and uh because <laughs> uh, we were what we were talking about wasn't recorded but I, I started it like right when i was like thanks i was feeling crappy we were, we were shooting
And I was, was bringing you up. It was a straight shoot, and no yeah, one's going to hear it. It was, it was like I was putting some wind beneath your wings. <laughs> yes, you were, man. I appreciate you, man. <laughs> Much love, brother. Thanks, man. Thank you, dude. Peace. Guys, this is Indie Wrestling Report number 44. It is my pleasure to give you Mr. Tony Morales. Send him some love. He got cut open like a fucking fish a couple weeks ago. We got to make sure he comes back to that fucking squared circle we call heaven and life. Minefields. Issue 44. Indie Wrestling Report. Guys, welcome to Minefields. Very proud to have Mr. Tony Morales here on the show today. How you doing today, brother? I'm doing well, man. You know, being three weeks post surgery, I'm doing all right. Yeah. So they 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 gutted you. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Uh, you cut me like a fish. They cut you like a fish, man. How was let, let Let's start from the recovery. Like, um, I will, actually let's uh, let's just talk about let's just talk about wrestling for a little bit. Let's let's build into the into the anticipation of what it's like to be just cut open and heart tinkered with, and let's talk about you for a little bit, brother. All right. Now, uh, how long have you been wrestling? Uh, it'd be 18 years already, believe it or not. March 29th, 2002 was my first match. If you don't mind me asking, how old are you? I, I just turned 39, actually, about a week ago. All right. Well, happy late birthday, birthday brother. I'm, I'm 38. Hey, sir. I wouldn't have guessed it. we got some good genetics going on, and we both look pretty goddamn young. I'll take it, man. I'll take it. I need all the help I can get. Shoot. Where'd you get started? Oh, actually, local boy, man. Freaking, I got started back in the day for Rocky Mountain Championship Wrestling um, up in Denver. Wow. Okay, so wow. Originally worked with uh, you know, Latin Thunder, Robert Amador, Lightning Blind Mike, Matt Wild, uh, Lonnie Valdez, a bunch of those cats. You know, not too many of us are still around, but I'm still one of them. No, I, I appreciate you being on the show, man. It broke my heart when I saw that promo you cut about the... Uh, about the surgery and how you know you know, you might not be back, but you know we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. So, all right, so eighteen years ago. Yep. All right. So, what lit the fire under your ass to start training? Ah, uh, really, man? I was just a, I was a big old fan. Like uh, first pay per view was WrestleMania six. Some uh, child of the eighties. You know, um, truth be known, the reason I got into local wrestling, I was a really big Shane uh, Shane Helms fan. Um, and between his stay in the end of WCW and when he started in WWE, he came up and did a local show for CWO, the Central Wrestling Organization up in Denver. And I happened to find out about it and made my friend drive me up there. Uh, Hurricane uh, Hans, man. He's one of my yeah, he actually, Fun fact, he actually wrestled uh, Mr. Intensity Jeff McAllister. Oh, really? Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Well, goddamn, that was like a good way to get introduced to a local show, man. How old were you? Yeah. Oh, god, I must have been seventeen, eighteen at the time, probably. I was eighteen. Were you a WCW guy or were you a WWE guy? I was a WWE guy. I stopped watching mid '90s just because it kind of got stupid. Right. And then I came back in once I saw Rey Mysterio and Conan wrestle in WCW. All right. So. You tuned out, and I, I really think, and I'm going to ask, I, I'm going to start asking everyone this, um, because it seems like when it comes to the product, especially the, the E or the F, depending on what year we're talking about, there's always a time when you're like, man, I fucking love this, this is going to be the best thing ever, I'm never going to stop watching, and then what happened to me was John Cena and Randy Orton showed up, and I'm like, fuck this, <laughs> can't do it. 
what was what was it what was it in particular if you remember what made you stop for a little bit in the mid '90s? Because yeah, it did get a little stale. Well, it was during the uh, the new generation era, and I think they just kept on every week would just end in some kind of setup for next week. And over after a while, it just drove me crazy. I just got tired. I I, I wanted a definitive ending. You know, I want to see where it ends, and that way I'll come back and be a new story next week. And it just never happened. Just like Days of Our Lives, it like takes a year for anything to happen. Yeah, exactly. So I just started watching Fresh Prince of Bel Air. No, oh, nothing wrong with that, brother. That's something happened every damn week. That's one of the best shows of all time. Yeah, I'll still watch it. Shoot. Shit, that's why like how we got uh, HBO. Uh, HBO was it? HBO Max was. Uh, I found that I was out. I called my sister. I'm like, "Yo, Fresh Prince is on this," and she's like, "What? We got to get it right now." I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> we got it. We're sharing it." We're sharing our account, but we're not telling them what it is because we're going to get busted. <laughs> exactly. We share yeah, everything. I'm so just classic, and that's one of them. No, God damn, man. I remember coming – that was like one of the best things ever when they started putting that on after school. Like I get home like at 4 o'clock and like at 4.30, like after plenty of time to make a sandwich, Fresh Prince time. Exactly. Now, okay, so it is one of those things where people tune out. When did you get back in? Uh, like I said, I just happened to turn it on one day. Like, you're just randomly freaking looking through channels and happened to this. And like I said, I think it was pretty sure it was Rey Mysterio at first. And then I saw Conan and then Eddie Guerrero. And, you know, I'm, uh, I don't know if you know, but I'm uh, half white, half Puerto Rican. And those Latino stars just really were, you know, they were doing some new and different stuff. And I just really got into it. I'm uh, I'm Mexican, native, and Spanish. So I know loud and clear how awesome those guys were. Yeah. Yeah, it was like, it was it was hard to find dudes that were brown that like kicked ass back in the day, man. I remember that's why I was so into Jose Canseco. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same thing with uh, Tito Santana for you know the old school wrestling fans. Yeah, it was hard. To, it was man, all of them together, man. So obviously, you're talking about you you turned on WCW then. Mm-hmm. Definitely uh, got back into Nitro, and eventually kind of started watching WWE again little by little, and you know freaking just kind of kept. You know, I was riding that. Attitude Era Wave and going to all the shows and all kinds of insanity. I had t-shirts, freaking everything. What was your first Raw like? Uh, it was really cool, actually. I remember my first show was actually a local Coliseum show, and that was actually pre-Raw. Um, Damn. And I remember the Rockers were there, and I actually got a, a headband from the for, of the Rockers, and I actually still have it right now. I got a New Day headband with a light-up unicorn on it, and I'm... I'm going to be buried with it. I fucking love that damn thing. See, we weren't that fancy back in the day. No, but at least you got it, man, because that was such a big deal, man. Because, like, I grew up mostly out of the – well, still kind of in the States, but not – like, there was, like, six and a half years we were in Alaska, like, from most of my teenage years, and no one went up there. I think the the most that we got in Fairbanks, Alaska was – I think Van Halen showed up once, Weird Al, and that was – and then my first – Concert with Soul Asylum. There's no way we're gonna get to see any fucking WWE. Man. Dude, I used to rock Soul Asylum hard back in high school. Shoot, dude, <laughs> it was a great ass concert, man. I was surprised, like, I, like, because I really knew that one song, but we only went because <clears throat> you know it was an actual rock band that had something to do with anything that we'd seen on TV, and that really kicks some ass, man. That was like what ninety six, ninety seven, even a oh, mosh, wow. even a yeah, mosh I lived pit, in Amarillo man. for four years, and you would just go to anything because you're just happy that somebody knew about your little town. You're from Amarillo. I uh, know, I know. I'm from here originally. Actually, for, born in Germany. My dad was military, 
and uh, I ended up in Amarillo for like four years. I assume Air Force. Uh, no, uh, Army. Army. Uh, what? Uh, Rammstein. Uh, no, I was actually born in uh, Landstahl. Landstahl is, is that still around? Like, because I know they closed a lot of those bases back that that were in Germany. I think there were only two left. I think that was. I think that one was just a city, as far as I know. I don't think it was like a military hospital. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, Right. Well, yeah. I want to know everything about you, man. That's one of the best things about doing this show is, in especially today, that's what. There's, there's. You don't really have a Wikipedia page for me to like. I, I, I found as many matches as I could of you on YouTube, but I, I really just want everyone to get to know you, man. Because backstage, it's, it's a different story, especially during show day. Like, like I've, I've had people like, well, we can do the interview of, of day of show. Um, uh, I. At first, I would always say yes, but bad idea. Everyone is too much in a heightened state of awareness. Everyone's trying to get in their own groove, trying to figure out the match, uh, worried about where this boot is, uh, whether or not this asshole's there or not, and making sure that everyone's playing safe, making sure you're getting your shit in. And it's 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 a bad idea. So, But you, you have always been such a sweetheart to me, man, and I always really appreciate that because we're in a room full of alphas, and I'm just a guy with a microphone, like, you know, just going – you know, around to the best talent, and it was so nice to meet you and get to see you guys wrestle, man. Uh, uh, tell us about tell us about Vanity Inc. for just a second. Alrighty, yeah, man. Um, Vanity Inc. was something Alexis Vane came up with, and actually, at first, neither one. It was actually um, neither one of us were me nor Cumberbatch were actually involved in it originally. It was actually, I think, originally done in Primos. Really? And funnily enough, I believe originally, I could be wrong about this, but it was Johnny Crash and Polly B were actually the original Vanity Inc. Johnny's my boy, man. I like he was the first one I broke uh protocol with like at that first CSW show, like I I couldn't help but just give him a hug cuz that guy's just the biggest fucking sweetheart, man. Oh, yeah, no, Johnny's great, good kid. Freaking Polly was always awesome too. I know he. I don't think people realize how good Polly B could be. I don't think Polly ever realized how good Polly B could be. What happened to Polly B, man? He was one of the first dudes I met. He was the that uh, kind of skinnier white dude, like mm-hmm. Alfred E. Newman smile. Kinda, yeah. Freaking. Uh, I think he just kind of. I think he just kind of got tired of it. In all honesty, just wasn't his bag. You know, he does a lot of uh, video game music, actually. I think that's kind of more more his passion than anything else. I think the last time I saw him was right around that time. Uh, he who should not be named really fucked up and really shit on the industry here in, in southern Colorado. And everyone was kind of in a daze for a while before shit got going back again. And this is pre-COVID. I think you know what I'm talking about, right? I, 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 I definitely got a guess. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not, I'm not a fan of his myself. So Yeah, it's just one of those things that happens. But... One of the things I was really happy about, and, and it's one of those silver linings that just turned into something wonderful, is that after such a bad experience that all y'all went through, um, and you know, like he, he out of state now, uh, but it's like after that, like it was just everyone was just in such a mood to just be good to each other and do the best for each other. It it, it really showed in the shows, especially. Uh, more and more people started showing up. Uh, y'all started working a lot better in ring. Um, also, the training like has really, really stepped up. That's uh, that's something I've really been enjoying is watching the posts. Like, hey, if you ain't training, sorry. Yeah, 
Yeah. No, I mean that's you know that's the way it should be. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do this, you got to put your heart into it. It's a big deal, man. We, you know, one of the biggest things we, you know, we used to not have. I think we're. I don't know how much we have it now, but I think definitely think it's better. Is just trust. Agreed. You know, freaking, you're in the ring. You got to trust you know, your opponent with your body. He's got to, you know, he should trust you with his. And then I don't think people. You know, definitely over time, I think people kind of got respect for that aspect of it. But a lot of people, and there are people that definitely don't, and there are people that definitely didn't back in the day. Is you know, same thing we were talking about earlier, where some you know, some poor you know, Polly B got taken advantage of, and he didn't do nothing wrong. Right. You know, freaking. I remember I walked out of that league that night. That was a shame. I went. I, I went back for one match because Dustin Rose was there. And freaking Polly had already been back for months beforehand. Wow. I'm, well, I'm glad. And I was just like, I mean, I, I, I get the concept of, you know, hey, brother, workers are going to work and all that nonsense. But that, I think it's stupid because workers need to work places that are good. People need to work places that are respectful to you. And people need to work places that, you know, know their worth. Was there any one particular instance when you realized the the sheer amount of trust that was involved other than just being like an armchair booker? No, man, really. It was just kind of like I, kinda, I came in with a pretty I, – I feel a pretty healthy respect for the business aspect of it because, you know, it is what it is, man. Freaking, you know, we all, you know, we all know what this is. It's pro wrestling. You know, call it what you will. But, you know, we're, it's a bunch of guys that – and, and women, I'm not going to say it's just the guys, but it's a bunch of people that are working together, or at least should, you know, and that's kind of where a lot of my issues with a couple people come from, is that certain people take advantage of other people when, you know, there's no real reason to, and it's just kind of, and Paulie B was a huge guy that got taken advantage of, and quite frankly, it was garbage. Well, maybe he'll come back, man. Maybe we'll get a chance. He'll, he'll listen in because I loved watching that guy work, and he was such a great guy to me right off the bat. And it, that that shows it, it shows a lot to me because one thing is, especially now, like with all the the group chats, uh, people that maybe cross a line and post something they shouldn't have, or even just are gonna like post like, "Hey, this happened." Is it's it's all in the open now, so like the trust factor is upped the ante like crazy. The other thing is you can't hide anything like that anymore. Hell, like Lars Sullivan just came back and they're like, "Yay, Lars is back." We forgot about that gay porn thing after how much he hates gay people, but then he starts fucking sexting people, and he's like, "Yeah, you can't you, you can't hide that shit anymore." And nah, you really can't, man. That's that's one of the things when I was running my trainings, I would always tell people to watch watch what you say on the internet. And if you want to be in a big league company, maybe not talk trash about them. Seems simple enough in theory. You know, if I want, if my goal is to be in WWE, why would I, you know, oh, you know, these guys are garbage. This guy sucks. I should be in this position, not that guy. Right. Believe it or not, nobody cares. Like, if you want to get in that position, bust your hump and try to earn it. Move to a place with, you know, where they're going to look for, look at you. It is what it is. No, and you're you're 100% correct. And one of the reasons I brought it up is because when people don't know me, not that I'm Mr. Big Shot and all, I I do my best to be as professional as I can and I'm not I am trying to have the best product in Colorado when it comes to podcasting just in general, but 
most people don't know me and and I really like that. I'm really enjoying that as for as long as I can because when I meet someone and I introduce myself, hey, I'm Joshua Michael, I you know run Mindfield's podcast. You know, it's not something like, yo, I run this podcast. No, I don't that's not how we do it. But when when I immediately get big leagued, it makes me happy. And the reason it makes me happy is because I've just learned everything I need to learn about you. Uh, that's how you do business. <laughs> you you, yeah. ne- you never know. Can you imagine being backstage? It is 1997 and a five foot four uh, Mexican dude comes and says, hey, you know, my name is such and such. And like, hey, fuck you. And then later on backstage, you see him lacing up his boots and putting on the mask and that you just you just were shitty to Rey Mysterio. And that happens, man. I know. I know guys that freaking went to WWE doing like extra work and came in with attitudes, and they kicked him right out of the building. Never been used since, just because you know you had to, you had this horrible, crappy attitude. Yeah, the, the attitude is just something that I really. God, it just, it's one of those things, and I feel like I'm getting a little preachy about it sometimes. To tell you the truth, because uh, I watch. So I don't. Much I don't really feel like you are, though, man. Like I, I do it. I freaking, you know, I help book um, for New Era. And I will totally not use somebody just because I feel like they have a crap attitude. New Era, I love it. I, I, I am. Please tell me it's not dead because it is. Oh no, 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 man. We're, we're, always, we're me and the owners. We're always talking. We're always trying to see what the thing is. We just want you know we we don't want to put anybody at risk. Agreed. You know that's really what it comes down to. We don't want to put our staff at risk. We don't want to put the fans at risk because that you know that we spent you know. Eight years freaking building that up. And same thing we were talking about earlier, man. It's all about trust. You know, those our fans, you know, it's almost like a family. You know, our fans hang out with each other, talk to each other, helped out the product. You know, we're not going to throw that out just because, you know, just because we want to run a show because we're wrestlers. Right. And you know, not talking mess in anybody who has because we're the only place that hasn't come back yet. Well, it, it's but it's, this is why we want that's, we we do this. We're gonna come. We're gonna come back hard. We're gonna come back and make you know make the impact, quote unquote. Two things: when you guys come back, I sincerely doubt you. Uh, well, actually, I am a hundred percent that you would have not lost any of the steam behind you. You're gonna hit that ground running like nothing happened. Number two, I'm proud of the fact that y'all are doing what you're doing. I'm also proud of the fact of what everyone else is doing because it's it, you were correct. It is to each his own. Everyone has their own protocols, but from everything we're seeing, everyone is doing their absolute damnedest to keep people safe. Some people, it's it's some people don't want to be in that situation, so they haven't been wrestling, uh, or you know, we haven't seen Colt Cabana wrestle in, in months. Um, yeah. Uh, but that's that's Colt Cabana. AEW's had a couple slip through. WWE handled it. I think uh, they could have handled it better. Um, okay, I could agree with that. Yeah. Uh, they, I'm not. I'm not shit on it, but, but there's there's a few things that got out. But then, then we yeah, have is what it is, man. <laughs> right. We've got CSW, and you know everyone. It's the the amount of trust is 100 percent there, and you know mass social distancing. If the crowd is not, if they're if they're disobeying it on their own to their own selves, that's that's on them. But for the wrestlers, <clears throat> everyone else is doing their best. Devotion. Oh, that broke my heart, man, because everyone got uh, – RMP had to reschedule the next show. But they still rescheduled, and they immediately – the accountability was through the roof, and that makes me so happy because 10 years ago, if something little like this would have happened, maybe 20 years ago, it, 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 it's a different time. I feel like it would have been swept up, and everyone needs to shut up. Don't tell anyone these people got sick, and 
uh, if if you tell anyone that you're not getting booked anymore, but no, it's it's not like that anymore. Immediately, Yaden and Curtis and everyone at RMP and Devotion, full disclosure. Yeah. And that, and again, to each his own, and I'm I'm digging it. But hey, you guys have decided to put the brakes on 100%. I respect that. All I'm trying to say is that was a long ass winded way to say I can't fucking wait to get back to Mile High and see you guys kick some ass. Oh yeah, dude, we're we're chomping at the bit, man. A lot of us are dang near feral, freaking waiting. But you know, just kind of is what it is. Unfortunately, you know, this is. I, I, I'm not gonna use that new normal term, but yeah, know, that's this is this is the situation we live in currently. <clears throat> now, okay, so we've got some we've got a lot of big shows coming up, and we'll talk to that in a little bit. But um, how did you how did you and Cumby get together, man? Uh, that guy is such a straight up guy to me, and as well, like, hey, Cumby, if you're listening, man, thanks for being always such a gentleman to me, and uh, it shows in how well you do business. And Tony, it shows in how well you do business as well. How did you guys? get shined up together well um i helped train cumberbatch back in the day so i kind of we knew him um kind of like a lot of what the the promo i cut at the end of our tag match the last csw show was pretty much 100 percent shoot you know freaking cumby's a great kid bust his hump um you know we, we saw i definitely saw something in him pretty early on he was really he was one of those cats that really kind of took to it really quickly right um and like i said about his third match i had uh we had put him with vanity incorporated which at the time was alexis vane um bruce rogers and xander creed great lineup yeah he was a. Uh, and then you know he was you know we were kind of like i said grooming him up to be a star basically is what we were shooting for um Funnily enough, freaking like a, I think it, maybe a year had passed since that, and we were going to a show in Wyoming, and it was a carload of uh, four of us: myself, Cumberbatch, Adrian Matthews, and Jason Knoll. And the the promoter had put us just kind of thrown us together, and we were like, "Well, you know, let's have some fun." So we, uh, myself and Cumberbatch, against Adrian and Jason Knoll. And we just went out there and had a freaking great match. And we kind of, we sat there, we all, if you, if you've known Cumberbatch personally, he's kind of a quiet guy. He, when we went out there and did the tag match though, he was, he was just, he was alive, you know, just making fun of people, you know, picking on kids, yelling at their moms, blah, 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 just kind of really going out there and, you know, getting in people's faces. He's a natural hero. Yeah. So, you know, we just kind of went out there and we, you know, like I said, we did our thing. We were like, that worked rather well. We actually ended up leaving as the um, the Big Sky World Tag Team Champions of the World of Wyoming. So, awesome. and we actually still have those belts to this day. It's been, I think, about three years. Just not returning some phone calls when they want that belt back, baby? <laughs> oh, no, I, I, I got something to do, man. I got to get my hair cut that day. <laughs> All right, so all right, so you fell in love with them then. You're running Van and Eek now, and where where are you running? You're running in Primos. You're running in New Era. You're running in. No, we're actually not running in Primos. Actually, I haven't. I personally have not worked for Primos in two, three years, I believe. You know, no, no problems with anybody there. Just you know, we just haven't. 
haven't worked together. So Cumberbatch has kind of been doing his own thing, and he actually, I think, believe, made it to the uh, finals of Slave to the Death match a couple weeks ago. Yeah, the photos of him kicking ass, like, yeah, he was bleeding like a stuck pig, and you, you could see how fucking happy he was just to be in that spot. Primus does, yeah. Primus does put on a Primo show. Now, I know that's a shitty way, a shitty metaphor, but, like... Uh, it's not not really, though. I mean, it's it's a different beast. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, it's... The big thing about wrestling is, you know, like the reason it should be so inclusive or, you know, is that, you know, it, there's a little something for everybody, man. I could, if, you know, the booker at New Era, the booker at CSW and the booker at Primos, let's say, all had the exact same roster the from top to bottom, the same group of guys. Right. Each show would put on a different show. There, there'd be a different guy in the main, there'd be a different guy in the opener, different guy in the middle. Different and there's players. absolutely nothing wrong with that. No, and it's I'm, just my, my it's a different flavor of ice cream is what uh Les Thatcher and Harley Race always used to tell me when they would come to visit um about back in like oh three, oh four. You know, and they were right, man. It's it's a different flavor of ice cream. You know, some people like chocolate, some people like vanilla, some people like Rocky Road. It's still ice cream. I love that about this place, man. I remember when I first found the when I first found the shows, it was I just started working at my shoot job and uh the guy that was sitting next to me, because when you have to introduce yourself, I'm like, so, what's your name? I'm like, and it's Joshua Michael. I'm big into comic books and pro wrestling, and that's all I want to talk about and think about. And Like, that's literally all I'm going to talk to you about. And I sat down, and the guy sitting next to me was like, so, you like, are you legit in wrestling? And, like, I, I, I took my leather jacket off that I was wearing, and I was wearing my Lucha Underground hoodie. He's like, holy fuck. <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, you, nice. yeah, you, 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 casual fans ain't wearing no fucking Lucha Underground hoodie. And then he told me, like, yeah, there's a big show coming up um, uh, for CSW. Uh, unfortunately, the 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 guy that founded it, you know, passed away. This is going to be his memorial event. And I'm like, I can't fucking go to that. He's like, why not? I'm like, because this is wrestling is a family, man. Like, like I'd feel like a piece of shit voyeur showing up where everyone's upset and hugging and like I'm like, yay, I'm here. <laughs> Like, no, I'd feel like I was crashing a, a funeral. But then I got uh, the next one we went to, and then I found out about New Era. Boom, New Era. Then Primos. Boom, Primos. Then Rocky Mountain Pro on Twitch. Like, like this is happening here. And it makes me – I don't – Scott, I wouldn't leave Colorado anyway. But with all this – I mean, we got the Albuquerque guys showing up. We got Devotion showing up. Uh, shit, uh, Al Snow's working with everyone now that the, the school is expanding into Rocky Mountain. And everyone's working well together, man. Like even like when I talked to Matt Yaden, he didn't give a fuck who I work for or or that I that I uh, talked to everyone. He was just cool, hands down, no matter what. Joey, same thing over at at, at Primos. Like yeah, if you need help, let me like let us know. And then I got Mister Tony Morales on my show, who mean mugs the shit out of everyone, and it's an honor, man. <laughs> Yeah, I've calmed down in my old age. I'm not the same miserable bastard I used to be. Who are your heel? Uh, who are the people that inspired you being such a good ass heel? Oh man, freaking! You know, Mister Perfect was always a lot of fun to watch. I'm trying to think of other great heels that really just kind of caught my attention, man. But you know, him, like all those Minnesota boys, man. Him, Rick Rude. Rude was freaking phenomenal. Like Rude to this day doesn't get his freaking due. A lot of those. A lot of those mid card '80s WB guys. Like I'm a big, I'm a big, big Boss Man fan actually. Nice. Um, Vader was always somebody I liked. 
which is fun because I actually got to help train his son before he went to WWE. Uh, Jesse, really, really cool cat that, you know, I don't, I don't know the situation with him leaving WWE, but I always thought he could have done a little bit more. Well, everyone, it, it's everyone's path, you know, like people get really passionate and then they find out like, nah, I'd rather, you know, I, we're going to go family way. We're going to, you know, it, it's to each his own, but one of the, I think the only hard question I have for you, and, and uh, this isn't me attacking you, this isn't me attacking wrestlers, but I have noticed a trend uh, in a, a lot of the up and coming guys, and all a lot of the um, in some of the more established guys here, that where it's easy to get derailed as a wrestler. Where I hear like, "Man, I was gonna quit. I was done. I was gonna," and then and and that. That sort of um, – I don't know why – I don't know if it – I don't know what – it, it rubs me the wrong way. I'm not sure if it bothers me, but it certainly doesn't make me feel happy. I mean like it yeah. should. But why do you think that y'all have such an explosive mentality? Because I've heard it from so many people. What is it about wrestlers where all of a sudden you're ready to throw in the towel so quickly? I mean, there's a couple different ways to look at it. It could be like if you're doing a, a veteran versus, say, the younger generation guys, you know, there could be that thought process of, you know, a lack of respect. You know, the, you know, back in my day, we did things this way and we trained this way and that and that. And it's like, you know, if you want to keep that tradition going, why aren't you keeping that tradition going? Right. You know, it's it's easy to freaking tell. I can tell anybody who's, you know, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. You know, some of these kids just don't want to listen. I've had, I've told people exactly what I thought of you know their match or whatever, and I've had to be like, "Oh, thanks, man." And it, it does it sets you off a little bit. It's like you know, I'm over here trying to help you out, brother. I don't have to. You know, I can good brother you all I want, but if you're not going to listen, well, I got no time for you then. You know, it could, I mean, it could be something like that. It could just be. You know, you're in the heat of the moment. You come back, you know, and you had a bad match with somebody, and you're like, "Well, that guy doesn't deserve to even be in the ring." You know, whether whether he does or not. You know, maybe you feel that way. You know, I've had I've had people come to me and be like, "What do you think about this guy?" And you know, and a lot of times, you know, sometimes they'll like my reaction. Sometimes they won't. You know, they. I, I think I personally look at it. Now I look at this thing a lot different than a lot of other guys, where you know. I'm, like I said, I've, I've done this for 18 years, you know. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you're not going to have the match you want to have. And sometimes you're kind of the match with guys, like, that you expect to have great matches with. Right. Like, some of my favorite matches that I've had were with garbage guys. Guys that did not know what they were doing. Guys that, you know, if, if they didn't listen, you might have to, you know, snug them up a little bit. Right. But you know, I've like I've had I've had matches with uh, Brokeback Billy was one example. We had a phenomenal match. Um, we had a, we had a series of two matches for his last two New Era matches for the title. And you know, he he was always a good dude. Like I knew him before he was Brokeback. Like he used to come to shows when he was a fan. And like I always liked the kid, but I never I never felt like I feel like he he got the gimmick of Brokeback and then just threw him on shows. Right. It you know it sucks, but it is what it is. Like he was never allowed to become a a good wrestler. He was a hardcore guy, and that was all he needed to be. You know, um, 
just a side note real quick. One of my big things when I train guys is I've told them, do you want to be good or do you want to be good enough? You know, you can either be good enough to get on a show or I can train you to the point where you're good and then you come out and you're freaking a top guy because you, you are, I know, I know, you know what you're doing and other people will respect that. Like not just because, you know, it's Tony Morales or it's my opinion, but I make it a point. I, I, I want to be proud of everybody I've trained. It doesn't necessarily always happen, but you look at guys, like I said, like Cumberbatch, Adrian Matthews was a really good worker. Um, Austin Logan, you know, Logan Austin was, he was great. You know, he's still great. Um, BZB, you know, he's one of the most underrated guys in this state. I fucking love BZB. (laughs) Yeah, he's a great, great kid. Freaking gets in his head a little too much, but you know, the guy can go, but nobody, not enough people give him the respect I feel like he deserves. And he's another one, kind of like Polly B, where I don't think he gives himself the respect he deserves. I got tested the other day, and uh, I wanted to bring it up because I, I I crashed uh, uh, SoCo Pro training on Saturday morning, and okay. I was talking with Elias, who I just have the utmost respect for, and I noticed that he was dusting his boots off every time he got in the ring, and I was like, "You do that every single time," and he was like, "Well, yeah." Um, because it was like a brief little intermission. He was like, yeah, you know, I got to get my, you know, get the rocks or dirt because it's outside in uh, Randy's backyard uh, at the moment. And I was like, no, 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 no. You do that if this was like a perfectly sanitary room and your your and your boots were perfectly 100% you could eat off of them. You would still do that, wouldn't you? He's like, yeah, I would. And I'm, I like that sort of respect. And that's what I want to do because I talked to him for a little bit. And I'm, I might have the – if I can clean up the uh, audio uh, – as part of this particular podcast before or after but um i was doing the interview with the, with everyone talking with the soco pro talking about respect talking about what you need to do to get over as a trainee not as a wrestler and that was that was the big thing and i i asked elias like hey man um you've been in the business for a while if you have any like anything i can do to improve and he's like actually brother yes and he laid out a solid three, four minutes of what he thought I could do to improve, and he was testing me. He was waiting for me to be cocky and be like, no, I already do that. No, I already do that. No, no, it was no, no. It was 100%. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was like it was more of a yes sensei type thing. And and then he looked at me. He's like, all right. And then he shook my fucking hand. Like, no, it, was, it wasn't like – like that's when I knew it was a test. And, and he shook my hand. Now, back to the question at hand about, about y'all being divas is that I think that people need to realize one of the best parts about wrestling culture is that there is a part of it that I really think needs to be inflicted on everyone else in general in the whole fucking world right now is that the world of wrestling involves second chances, third chances, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, twentieth chances. Y'all might have rubbed each other wrong. I'm done. I'm never working with you no more. 20 years later, would you ever thought that Warrior would be in the ring in the Hall of Fame? Nah, you're not wrong on that. No. And, yeah, you, you get rubbed wrong. The other thing is, is I can tell, uh, it, the only thing I, because like, I've done as much research as I possibly can, is okay. that y'all are so obsessed with putting out a good product, the second things goes wrong, uh, and I'm guilty of this myself, like, you know, your head collapses sometimes. And 
but you're a trainer, so you've you've got that mastered, haven't you? Yeah, definitely wouldn't say I've got a master. There's definitely, you know, as, as a human, it's you know easy to everybody kind of loses it now and again. It's just kind of, you know, personally, I'm a big, I'm a big practitioner of doesn't really matter. You know, I remember we had a, me and Cumberbatch at a tag match with a couple of local guys, and it, it didn't go as well as we liked. You know, they weren't. You know, we had already known that you know they weren't particularly looked at as quote unquote good workers. Right. But Cumberbatch was mad about it, and I just kind of laughed it off because it was like, dude, you know, no one got hurt. You know, and nothing was screwed up that bad. You know, it just kind of it is what it is, man. Freaking, you know, not every match for unfortunately is going to be perfect. You know, if we could, you know, if every match was perfect, we'd all be, you know, sitting pretty with our contracts. Right. Except for that one guy that sucks but still gets over huge, you know. That that Sandman looking dude that freaking everybody loves and you're just like, why? Why do they like you? There's always that one guy. Right. I, I can so, see what you're saying because there's there's the inherent jealousy like why am I not there? Um, I'm better than that. That 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 there's the, that does apply to exactly the, the subject at hand. The one reason I even brought up the question is because when you and I were talking about doing this podcast about a month and a a little bit uh, more than a month ago, and yeah. I was like because I had seen your your promo that you might not be back. And yeah. I, I wanted to cry, dude. I'm I, I get I'm an emotional guy, man. I'm I'm just gonna lay it out. Like like there have been wrestling matches where I have cried my eyes out or freak- oh, Flair Michaels, I got you. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> just uh, yeah. The the I'm sorry. I mean, like I mean, you can show that to anyone else in the world, they wouldn't understand what that the I'm sorry meant. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But uh, like when, uh, and this is just the just a, a base example when Undertaker threw uh, mankind, and it was real, and the whole world realized whether or not it's uh, wrestling is real or not. That shit was real, and I lost my fucking mind. Is 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 he is he done? Like what? Like the the what really put it over for me was that Jr. didn't know what to say in Jr. Yeah always knows what to say like like jr's like the mom like no everyone doing you know everyone's cool don't worry everything's fine and when jr didn't know what to say i uh, dude i lost it and um i uh i got a little emotional actually i got very emotional watching you do that last promo you did right before the csw show that you might not be back and i wanted to be like you know that like five-year-old kid like it's like say it ain't so tony say it ain't so (laughs) I mean, you know, like I said, it is what it is, man. Freaking, you know, like I said, 18 years, you know, had a good run. Hopefully, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's, you know, heart surgery is nothing to mess with, so. Was it something, was it something congenital, something that you were born with? Yeah, um, pretty much, you know, the whole thing with that comes in, um, you know, people have uh, four heart valves. Right. I was only born with three. So the whole thing is, you know, you have the heart chambers and the valves are in between each one, uh, f- regulates the flow of blood. You know, for the first six months of my life, I didn't have that. So like, the reason we actually found out about it, because I was always just a sick little kid. But my uh, my dad came in one time to my uh, check on my crib to check on me and I was turning blue. Like I just stopped breathing. 
and they rushed me to the hospital, and that's when they found out about my valve. So they ended up having to do um, emergency surgery on it. Be sick. <laughs> Is it one of those things that, like, if you were born today, that you'd be having surgeries every ten years? Uh, no, not necessarily. Um, because uh, the valve they put in in Germany uh, was actually only supposed to last me until I turned about fifteen, and they'd actually set the entire surgery up to change it and everything. But the uh, the doctor basically said, you know, if it ain't broke, you know, don't fix it. Right. And I ended up, you know, earlier, uh, I ended up lasting until about the beginning of this year. And I went in for an echocardiogram. And they told me that um, I had a 13% gradient between the, uh, the valve and the chamber of my heart. And it should, um, if anything past 10%, it's dangerous. So that's when they decided that I needed to have surgery on it. So this had been originally set up, I believe, February. So my original plan was to have surgery around June, but, you know, pandemic mania hit. <laughs> so I kind of had to push that back. And we ended up you know, pushing it back till two days after the last CSW show. So, First off, I appreciate uh, you sharing that because first off, any lesser man would be freaking the fuck out even describing that in the first place. Uh, second off, the promo you, you put out, I loved the mixture of shoot and work, um, especially because it's it's such a difficult thing. First, you're having to come to terms with something. Second off, y'all are the champions at the moment, so everyone's going to see the story and be like, well, obviously they're going to lose, but Randy worked out something great for y'all, so that was perfect. And it, it, it told the story. It didn't leave you on a shitty note. It didn't leave you as a loser, um, which a lot of – I mean, face it. We're all alphas in this business. Uh, that would rub you wrong. And if you don't mind me asking, how how the fuck did you come to terms with this? You just got to deal with it, man. <laughs> like it wasn't going to change anything, man, either, you know. Either I had a year to live or, you know, I got the surgery done and I don't have to get this thing replaced till I'm 70. So, I mean, it was, you know, it sucked, dude. Freaking, you know, I'm uh, married and I have a five-year-old son. You know, push comes to shove. I got to be there for them. Straight up shoot. Uh, do you mind sharing first names of the people that are keeping you alive? That your your son, or maybe not son, but maybe your wife, just to give them some love? Not my, uh, my wife's name's Carolyn. And my son's name's Connor. You know, um, you know, it's you know why I do the things I do. You know, mostly outside the ring. You know, freaking, I, I stopped training guys full time to go back to college. because I'm trying to work my way towards getting a degree for radiology. So you know, and that's you know, it's why I did it. You know, I gotta, you know, gotta grow up sometime. You well, know, I disagree with that. Um, <laughs> There's nothing wrong with having a shoot job. Uh, shit, man. My, my best friend and I talk can talk. Last time we talked about something random, we ended up talking about G.I. Joe for two hours straight on a legitimate, like, analytical basis. Mm -hmm. But uh, I can't wait to meet uh, Carolyn and Connor and shake both their hands because one of the things most important about the business is the things that a lot of people don't won't have uh, eyes on to unless – Dark Side of the Ring shows up, or um, 
or you know it, it's something tragic but luckily you know you're doing well from hearing you just shoot the shit uh second off um having to be the behind the scenes people like uh when, like when my dad when my dad retired from the air force um we went to the ceremony and i i couldn't the 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 before they gave my dad you know his you know, big, not really award, but everything they give him. They called my mom out and she had no idea. I had no idea. They called us all up. Well, they called my mom up there and they recognized me and my sister. And they're like, before we give, you know, Michael all of his, um, you know, accolades, we have to recognize the people that took care of him while we were TDY. And, you know, he was gone for a while. You guys had to, you know, get uprooted every three years. And they, they really focus on the family that backed this military man that was doing what he had to do, just like you're doing. And I, I want a light to be shined on Carolyn and Connor. And everyone else is that's listening right now, I'm sure you're thinking of your Carolyn and Connor right now that have kept you sustained while you're achieving your dream, while you're doing something that most people would say was childish or like you you know just joked about a second ago. Um was you know you got to grow up no you don't got to grow up you just got to make sure those fucking gimmicks that come in the mail are paid <laughs> yeah yeah you're not wrong man you gotta you gotta prioritize might be the better way to put it and uh, again back to the reason i brought it up is because i i gotta see you back in the ring unless it's not something feasible but if it's not something feasible uh i want to be the first to say how can i help you stay in the business without dying and how can I put over whatever school you're doing, whatever new guy you're training? Uh, let me be the first to say I still believe in you. And whether you get back in the ring or not, I can't wait to shake your hand and support anything you do in the future. Nah, man, definitely appreciate it. Shoot, nah, um, nah, like really, I'd, I'd love to get back into training, guys. You know, I love training. I've probably trained maybe probably between 30 and 50 people overall between – training in Amarillo and training up in Denver. So I definitely wouldn't mind getting back into that. That's kind of a past personal passion of mine. Cause I don't think, I don't think it's true. You know, like I said, I've been around too much these days, but you know, back in the day, definitely trainers didn't take it seriously. They would you know train you enough to get on a show. And that was, that was it. And training's a commitment from both sides, man. Both the, uh, the trainers and the trainees, you know, it's a financial commitment for the trainees. And then, like I said, you're, you're giving up your body and you got to, you got to trust in the guy training you that he's not, you know, not going to screw with you or not going to mess with you or not going to train you improperly because it doesn't take much to be a trainer. You get you by a ring and you, you say you're a wrestler. And I, I've definitely seen places that are like that, you know, not, not talking mess about anybody personally or I'm not really talking mess about anybody in Colorado, but I always used to say, you know, if one of my time in Texas, you'd wrestle a guy that should be in WWE one night. And then the next night you'd wrestle a guy that didn't belong in a ring. Correct. You know, and that just kind of, unfortunate. like I said, is what it is, you know, and you gotta, and you gotta be able to get a good match at either guy, which is why I take training so seriously. Because at the end of the night, you know, um, I believe it was Greg Valentine, or no, Greg, not Greg, Johnny Valentine that said it, but I heard it from Jerry Lynn, man, is, uh, you know, you don't have to believe wrestling's real, but I'll make you believe I'm real. 
I dig that, but at the same time, the only thing I I'm thinking about is how yeah you might wrestle someone that should be in WWE one time uh, and then one night and the next day some guy that shit the bed, but uh, God I. How can I even fucking say that? I'm not a wrestler. I mean, like, if I was a wrestler, I would say I want to shine up everyone I go out and make them look good, even if they're bad. And, you know, obviously you're going to have to give some receipts and work a little bit snug if they're not, if they're fucking up. Uh, but at the same time, though, uh, I'd like to say that the, oh God, the romanticized virgin is always shining people up. But at the same time, though, uh, you hear about these, these schools that, yeah, you've got to, yeah, you can say you're you're a wrestler and you've got a ring, you buy the ring and but I don't find that here in Colorado. I find everyone training, I, uh, everyone in Primos, everyone in New Era, everyone in Rocky Mountain, everyone that's going and in, in, like everyone's doing their best to shine everyone up and and I'm doing my best to be as positive without being that over positive annoying guy. Like, why are you so happy? <laughs> like, like get out of here. Like, you know when you meet someone, like, why are you having a good day? Fuck you. <laughs> like, uh, I, I got you, man. Like I said, it's not. It's not nearly as like back in the day. It could get difficult because there were guys that you know there there are always guys that have reputations that you know aren't as good as this guy or that guy, and that that doesn't mean anything. Like I told you earlier, man, some of my best matches have been with guys that people didn't respect. You know, it is what it is. But you got I say that a lot is what it is. This is kind of how I live my life, I suppose. But you know, there's a lot of guys. Like I said, I've had some great matches with guys that you know. Other people had horrible matches with, right. you know, and there, there, like I said, there's even good guys like uh, me and Tommy Boucher back in the day. You know, he was a good worker. I, I felt like I was a good worker, but for some reason, we just never had chemistry. And you know, we we would wrestle, we wrestle each other probably at least half a dozen to a dozen times over the years, and something would always happen where it just didn't work out right, and we just go to the back and laugh it off and be like, you know, there it goes again. So, I mean, even if they're both, even if two guys are good workers, doesn't mean that they can't, you know, they're not going to mess up here and there. I think I heard one time one of the, who was it? Shawn Michaels and Mr. Perfect could never have a good match together. Like Shawn, I believe he wrote about it in his book, Poss. Yeah, we had a little bit of some tech, technical difficulties, minefielders, but we're back. The question I was asking, though, is that Shawn Michaels book actually worth reading? Because I've always been a, not a big fan of Shawn Michaels. Eh, I didn't mind it. Um... I used to read all the books back in the day, so I've read them. I've probably read, probably read that one probably at least three, four times. So I'd definitely say it's worth it. I've got all of uh, Y2J, Chris Jericho, and my heroes books on file. Uh, I've read mm -hmm. probably each one probably three times. I've got all of Mankind's books; those are pretty good. I loved them. You guys are just funny, man. But Jericho, yeah. no, there's a lot of like I remember Edges was really good, and I wasn't like a huge Edge guy, but. I really enjoyed his book. Did he write that himself, or did he have someone help him write it, like with the Stone Cold book, which, unfortunately, despite he's my favorite wrestler, was the worst book? Yeah, I think I think he had somebody else write it for him. I don't recall off the top of my head, but I remember it still was like a solid read. Like that one was really solid. I remember William Regal's was really a lot of fun, and uh, Terry Funk's and Harley Race's books, which weren't weren't WWE affiliated, were really good. Nice. I didn't know Funkster had a book out. Oh yeah, dude! Freaking, I'll let you borrow it sometime. Freaking, I've got it here at the house. Sure. It's freaking, it's solid. It's Funnily enough, back, there's pictures of him from back in the day. Look, spitting image of Duff Doyle. <laughs> I love Duff. I love that Duff man. He, I love his gimmick. I love how 
I love how everyone talks great about him. Great trainer. And then he's great in the ring, man. It's just, it's he's one of my favorite attractions there at New Era, man. Yeah, dude, freaking, uh, I actually knew Duff before he was Duff. Originally, like, not, I don't think how many people know this, I think it was like a six-month gimmick. He wore a mask as the vigilante. Really? Yep, fun fact. I have to, uh, have to ask him about it sometime. Did you just get tired of the mask from what everyone else gets tired of? I don't recall off the top of my head at the moment, but I think he just, I think they put him under the mask because they were like, oh, you don't have facials and you don't make faces and whatnot. And and next thing you know, here he was, Dove Doyle, just over-animated and just insane. So, but you know what they say, you can't get enough of that wonderful Duff. <laughs> Please tell me he's done Duff Man, man. Uh, no, not yet, not yet. He should, though. Oh, yeah. I heard he's running for president this year as a write-in candidate, actually. You know, so vote Duff 2020. <laughs> Duff man is thrusting in the direction of the problem. <laughs> That's my favorite Duff man quote. <laughs> like, who's Barney Gumble? I'm the, <laughs> the DD. Duff supports all of the... De- <laughs> <laughs> I'm cracking up. Oh, sorry, I'm a big Simpsons fan. You're good, dude. You're good. <laughs> All right, so if you were going to write a book, are you going to start it from getting cut open, or are you going to do it from the beginning? I don't know, man. That wouldn't be the worst idea. Kind of. I think I think I would actually probably do that. Just kind of set me apart from all the other books. So I could definitely see that working out pretty well. How did it go down, man? I mean, like, did you? I mean, did they did they give you like that? You know, I love you, and I hope you wake up from this type thing. Did they? Did you have to go through that? Uh no, really. It was actually pissed off my doctor first, so because you're not supposed to eat for twelve hours beforehand, right? And freaking, I, I spaced it just doing my morning routine. I freaking chugged a protein shake on my way out the door, and you're not supposed to do that because you could throw up during surgery and asphyxiate, right? So they actually ended up, um, funnily, they, they they didn't ask a question about it till right before they were going to take me to surgery, and they had a guy come in to shave my chest, or what I thought was shave my chest. Um, he comes in like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna shave you and whatnot." And I was like, "Okay, cool, whatever." Figured, like I said, they're shaving my chest, big deal. So, you know, some, I, if so I'd have known about it, I'd have married beforehand, whatever. Some mental patient broke in, shaved your balls, and then got arrested, and then you're like, what the fuck just happened? Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> no, uh, this dude, he'd been doing it for like 28 years, he says, and he's just like, I'm all about saving lives. And he's like, just so you know, we're going to shave you from your chest all the way down. Because apparently that's just what they do for all surgery patients. All and right. I was like, come again? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, we need you to fully disrobe, and we're gonna shave you. <laughs> You're gonna be like a newborn baby. Oh, I'm like, Christ. well, that's interesting. And for you, just like a a black dude in his mid fifties named Randy, come in here with some clippers, and I'm just like, hmm, well, this is gonna be the most interesting haircut I've ever had. Sounds like a good time, man. What hospital was this? Finding to a <laughs> uh, Memorial Central, actually, in the Springs. Yeah, in the Springs. I used to work there, man. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I was the I was a patient rep there, and it was the only job that made me go completely insane. We took we took uh, complaints. It's a great hospital, but unfortunately, it's the hospital that gets the worst rap because uh, they're downtown, so they get a lot of the the drifters and the mm-hmm. 
different than the crazies, yeah. Yeah. Now, trust me, I know, man. I, I actually work for, I work in a pharmacy, and we get, we get all kinds of crazies. Because everybody's willing to freaking go nuts over their meds, and, you know, deservedly so, but yep. a lot of the... A lot of the stuff they go crazy about is either A, out of our control, or B, it's not actually a problem. You should give us a couple minutes. I thought you were in Denver, man. Otherwise, I would have driven to your house. No, I, I, I was in Denver for a while. I was out of Aurora for a couple of years. But now I've been back in the Springs for two, three years now. Dude, I, I live across the street from the venue. Really? Yeah, I'm like, I could walk to it. I might walk to it Saturday, see what happens. Dude, you got to be there, man. Uh Come up to the booth. I'll play your fucking theme music. Just cause. <laughs> nice. No, I, I, I make it a point. Oh, wow. We killed Vanity Inks. I got to find new freaking theme music if I'm coming back. Shoot. Either that or bust out some faint. Dude, I'll play it, man. All I know is is that I feel bad because I fucked up your music twice before. And, like, and I'm so sorry. Um, but then, it was just it was, was it twice? It was twice. Was it one time. but It, it was twice. we came out to a... Uh, what, Austin Logan's? No, Logan Austin? Yeah, Logan Austin's music, I yeah. think, one time. Yeah, that was my bad. Uh, I apologize. <laughs> I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> uh, the other thing was, when I finally got your music right, I played like... I, I Dude, I am I like the song, but I've never listened to it. But when I really got... To, I found it, bought it on iTunes, downloaded it. I'm all excited. I'm actually not going to fuck your music up. And I play the raunchiest fucking... <laughs> You played the unedited version. The unedited. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. And then, like, Randy's that's my bad looking for not mentioning like, it. Yeah, my song's raunchy, man. <laughs> Randy's looking at me like, what the fuck? And I'm like, I don't listen to fucking Christina Aguilera. And then, so the only version I could find for the like the last four times I played your music was like, like, like the the Bush League fucking edited version, and it just sounds like shit. <laughs> hey, as long as you can dance to it, man. As long as I can dance, we're good. Oh, but I love that Christina, man. She's one of the few brown girls I've ever gotten down to. <laughs> I mean, being brown... She's no always... pink, but she's all right. Yeah. Oh, God damn it. We're on the same level. I love it. Oh, yeah, man. We haven't even started talking about comic books yet. I'll blow you away on that. I'm DC guy, born and bred. Shoot. Are you reading Teen Titans right now? I have not actually read Teen Titans. Um, currently, I'm actually working through the last issue of Detective, which was uh, 1027, the big... Thousand year and or thousand issue anniversary of Batman's first appearance. Things like 144 pages, ridiculous. It was a uh, that was like that. And that's like eight months old, man. You're catching up. That was that was, that was last month, homie. <laughs> no, that was last, that one was last month. You're probably thinking of the thousand. I'm thinking of a thousand. Did yeah, okay, this is so, thousand twenty-seven. All right, so I'm behind on Detective, but I'm a hundred percent on uh, Batwoman. Nice Batman. Uh, Teen Titans, Flash, um, uh, there was a new Swamp Thing that came out today that devoured, it was this great little graphic novel. Oh, uh, nice, okay. God, Teen Titans, Teen Titans is the shit. I, I mean, it is hands down my favorite fucking DC book right now. I like it more than the, the Harley Quinn, uh, Birds of Prey Black Label, I like it more than the Three Jokers that it's going on right now, I like it more. I don't know, man. I think Three Jokers is pretty good. Shoot, I'm a fan. It's How do you very, feel? Very interesting. Oh, I'm. Are you up on two yet? Did you read two yet? Yeah, I did read two. Okay, so uh, I, I a lot of people ask me questions like randomly throughout the day, like you know, how do you feel about this or what do you think about the Joker's origin? 
And my explanation for three Jokers was it's not canon, but that doesn't matter because it's never Joker's never going to have a canon. No, they uh, kill it. Or kill the whole it kills gimmick. Yeah, uh, the only thing the least bit close to a canon origin was the Killing Joke, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that was just like Alan Moore did the scaffolding, and then mm-hmm. everyone else can just build off of it. Yeah. How did you feel going into Three Jokers? I just I was interested just because it'd been like I think they'd announced that what four or five years ago I feel like it's been a while they announced it at the beginning of Doomsday Clock if I remember yeah so that no no it was, a, it was a Justice League actually where they started it because the Batman sat in the Mobius chair right yeah that's right um, yeah I was just, I was interested because uh, you know so, so a lot of the Batman Elseworld stories are kind of hit and miss like I love White Knight oh I think God, White, I Knight White Knight is a Oh, dude, I've got all the McFarlane figures, dude. Like, oh, nice. Oh, dude, like I, I have not. Dude, you're making me fucking so happy right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, when McFarlane announced he was doing the DC multiverse, I was like, "Bring it on! Let's see what you got." And I was like, "Okay, I'm a little kid again, and here's take my money." Uh, <laughs> the Devastator, I had to have the Devastator. Um, right, oh right? yeah, now Devastator was a. Uh, you're, t- you're thinking of a uh, metal? Uh, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, they, they, that was metal. That was metal because I'm, I'm talking about White Knight, where like Joker becomes sane. Right, right. But I've got yeah. those. I've got those figures too. The, the, oh, okay. I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, I've got those figures too. The the first one I did buy was the that beautiful Superman with that perfect stand for him. Mm-hmm. He, he poses perfectly. I got the uh, Batman that laughs. Um, I'm 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 deviating. I'm, I'm deviating because I'm trying to pull up uh, three Jokers so we can talk about it. All right, I got it. So uh, Jeff Johns, um, legend. <laughs> nice. Um, God, especially after that, after Doomsday Clock, man. Did you read Doomsday Clock? I did. I actually actually wasn't a fan of Doomsday Clock. I think it. I, I it was kind of hard to follow the story. I felt like it was just kind of all over the place. Like you think, wouldn't see characters that were like major characters for two or three issues, and like that one, like it, it ended well, but like it didn't, like it. I mean that, and the fact that it took mu- like two years for it all to come out, just kind of killed it for me. Almost three. Um, I've been wanting to have this conversation for a while because I was so invested and wanted to like everything that happened in doomsday clock, especially after reading all those really shitty, uh, watchmen, uh, before watchmen books. I never got around to those freaking, I was always meant to just never, never found there, never got around to it. It, I like it, like where I'm fanboying out on doomsday clock, I was like hardcore critic of those ones. So I can't tell you whether to read them or not. But uh, hopefully you find a good one. I did dig the comedian story. That one had some salvaging points because it's the comedian and digging into such a complex character. Yeah, he was. He was. You know, he ended up being just a nut job by the end, just because everything he'd been through. Shoot. Do you? When it comes to three jokers, though, I think like the main backbone of this is fear. The fear of like in part two. So we're listening. We're, we're talking about issue two. He's daydreaming about the family he has enslaved that is forced to make him dinner, and they're eating octopus because it's a joke. But the rest of it, I feel everything is boiling down to the fear of losing control of of Jason. 
we're we're fear of losing control of walking the line as Batwoman, who is walking the line between Batman and Red Hood. Um, we're talking about what Jason is going through, <laughs> putting the bullet in Joker's head that may or may not have been the one that beat him to death. Yeah. The fear that there's three actual Jokers and this might actually be happening. Uh, do you find fear to be a good like uh, wavelength to function on when you're reading comic books? Does it put you in the right space of mind, or does it just make you more uneasy? I think it really depends on the story. Like uh, you know, DC is doing a lot of stuff with Black Label, which is you know definitely kind of fear oriented. <clears throat> like I didn't another one I didn't care for was Batman Damned. It was like, eh, it's I all right. It. But, I hated it. But, but I'm a, I'm a, yeah I'm a. I'm a huge Constantine fan because I love the uh, I love the TV show that you put out for that one season with Matt Ryan. It's one of the best. I guess things he's on uh, Legends life. now, but he's on Legends, and the, one of the best things that ever happened in my life. Johnny is one of the best things that ever happened in my life. Um, mm-hmm. The 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 latest. What was the title of the latest one? Did you read the Black Label? Constantine? I did. It was re- it was solid. I remember. I don't recall off the top of my head, but I remember it was really like a really good book. So I'd kind of like the black label, kind of like, eh, maybe this is just too stupid. Like, but that one definitely got me reinvested in it. Like, like, okay, I, I at first when I was reading it, I was like, okay, great, we're in the same perspective. A new writer always drops us off when it comes to Johnny. Mm-hmm. There's a new bad guy fucked up some random person. You don't know why they got fucked up, and then all of a sudden. Some strangers are getting brought into something from the past that Johnny is trying to make up for. Mm-hmm. Hate that shit. I'm tired of it. <laughs> it's it's always Johnny's making up for something. And but this time the the drowned kid that comes back and is like like worse than a like a, a pestilence of a of an evil demon and infecting everyone, like just toying with everyone. God, that got me on my edge, man. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> yeah. Now the, the latest set of Constantine books, the ones that are, I think Sandman oriented, something like that, the Sandman universe, those ones have been freaking amazing. Yeah. For the past like, year, all, all the new ones have been good. You're not. Yeah. Kidding. I they, they did that whole thing with the, uh, the mermaid. I don't know if you got that far yet. I think it was like issue seven or something like that. Dude, I haven't missed an issue of John Constantine probably. 20 yeah, but they, when they did the thing with the mermaid where like she fell in love with the the fisherman, and then at the end of it, you find out that like like they, she got pregnant by him, and they ended up like like Constantine was wheeling her out because she had uh, sacrificed herself so that he could cut her up to make the to sell her meat. Oh man! Like that last that last image of her with her tail just gone, nothing but bones, was like, dude. Like I don't get invested in comic books to that level, but I did right then. And then like the next issue, the babies are born and they end up eating the guy. Oh, dude, that was amazing. Yeah, I was just like, dude, like screw you, you you got what you deserved, homie. The the way they dropped us into the new issues from the beginning, uh, maybe like nine months ago. Where there's that dude in London that is doing I can't remember the, the specific name of magic where you where you're div- divining the future reading entrails. <laughs> yeah, and, I don't recall it either, but yeah, I got what you're saying. And and it was just that trapped angel just punishing people like in a cycle, like. Uh, and then you introduce challenging characters like the kid that doesn't talk. Yeah, he was my favorite one. Mm-hmm. They did the whole little thing with him, like right on issue four, if I remember correctly. Yes, exactly. It, it, he was he was the best part of it, and it, it's it's almost as if that Johnny has become 
and I, I refer to him as Johnny because I feel like I, I dream about him often. Is uh, and I'm not kidding. I dream about him often. Um, is gotcha. that he's peripheral to the stories now? Like he's more of a crypt keeper type guy that has a little bit more involvement than just telling the story of something really shitty and really sorrowful. He's got a little bit of involvement, but everything else is everyone else's story. And I'm really digging that because I feel like after Garth Ennis, it was kind of hard to follow that story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I got in, I got into Constantine during the new 52 and it was, it was cool, but it was just kind of like another comic book. But this latest, like this, like I said, the dark Sandman run has just been like, you can't put them down. Like those are some of my favorite comics to read right now. Just cause like, unlike a lot of the guy like DC, you know, DC, you get, you get your stories and the good guy's going to win and this and that. But like with Constantine, you're never quite sure. No, and you're never quite sure if he's going to be the hero or not. And that's just, that's just amazingly interesting. Cause like at the end of the day is, you know, is he, is he going to do it because it's the right thing to do or is he going to not do it because it's his own, but self-interest, you know, you're never quite sure. Never, never at all. And I, I'm liking how they're taking it right now. Um, uh, God, one of the best moments of my life, I was at the Colorado Springs uh, flea market okay. at, on Platt. You know that one? Yeah, I've been there a few times. Well, okay, so uh, there's this one. Okay, so you know how there's like that big area where that dude's always like, there's always on Sunday, there's a guy like you can go buy a Corona, there's a eating area and get a hot dog and stuff. Uh, but to the to the east of that, there's always this lady that has like a shitload of DVDs and, and Blu-rays. Okay. Well, she had all these boxes of comics, and I took my I took my mom. I, I used to take my mom there all the time, but like we can't go all the time anymore. And um, she had all these comics. I'm like, okay, bullshit, bullshit. Hellblazer number nineteen. No, I know number nine, number ten, number eleven, number twelve. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. All the way to one twenty. <laughs> I paid, I paid twenty dollars for issues Hellblazer nine through one twenty. Holy shit, that's that's nice, man. You couldn't you couldn't beat that at all, shit, dude. Like I couldn't believe it happened to me. Like it was meant for me, and like like I I, I had like five bucks of cash. I looked at my mom and like I need fifty bucks. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> and she's like, you haven't even made an offer yet. I just I just need fifty dollars. Like I I'll, I'll pay you back as soon as we leave and get an ATM and. And it was like 25 cents a comic. And uh, I was like, hey, it's 25 cents a comic. But how much for these? Like, I didn't show it. Like, what? What? I just showed the pile. And I was like, I'll give you $20 straight up right now for all of these. She's like, okay. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. That's freaking – that's phenomenal. Yeah, I was putting those together in the, the trade paperbacks for a while. I got lucky. I got like the first three or four so far. Have you watched The Boys? I have not. I've been meaning to. I'm actually that's actually next on my list. I'm working. I just finished Doom Patrol season one, Ooh. and I'm working my way through Daredevil season three right now. Oh man! All right, so you're in you're in some good shit right now, man. Yeah, I do Daredevils. I do. I love Daredevil. I've got. I've been collecting that for like the last year or two, and it's just it's just solid. Can I? Oh wait, wait. You've been reading Daredevil recently? Mm-hmm. Oh. Please, God, let's do this. Okay, so a year a year and a half ago, Chips Darcy took over, and it was gritty, some bitch, kick ass. The 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 cop. Oh, oh yeah. The the cop. Um, the reveal of Typhoid Mary. How the 
fuck did we not see that coming? <laughs> Dude, yeah, it was freaking. I, I like the. I think it was the last issue we issued beforehand where her and. Uh, her and Kingpin meet up in the church. Oh, dude, when they had that tête-à-tête, man, and like, yeah, we'll catch you later. All right, we're on our, uh, our leash now, yeah. but I guess we're gonna and do something Kingpin together. And being the mayor now, it's just like, dude, like that whole that whole storyline with the the rich family that just is bigger than the than the Kingpin. Oh, dude, dude. I was like, this this could be you know, when he freaking really brutalized the dude in the bathroom in the just for bathroom. insulting him. In the like, first off. Weren't you feeling the same thing? Oh, all of a sudden there's someone bigger than the kingpin. He's mayor. Wait a minute, what's going on? And yeah. then and then he he reacted the same way I probably would have. Like, you know what? Fuck you, dude. I'm gonna beat you to death in a fucking bathroom. Well, things you didn't like, you didn't know because the whole time here, you know, he's over here like trying to keep calm because this is this isn't the situation he's used to. Oh, like God. you actually kind of felt bad for him because here are these you know equally rich people and they're just like looking down on him. The way they like, made no fun matter, of him. Like, no matter what, we've all been there. We've all felt like we're not... Yeah, we've all been there, man. We're freaking... You know, you just don't feel like you're good enough to be around the people you're around. And then, like, you know, Wilson Fisk, of all people, just sitting there and, you know, he's got dirty money. So he's not as good as everybody else. And they just kind of... They bullied him. And you know, nobody bullies the kingpin. How uncomfortable did that make you? And how a little, mad did it a little, make it was you? A little, like, I felt bad for him. <laughs> how do you feel bad for the kingpin? Yeah. And then you know, just just seeing him rage out and just beat that guy to death in the bathroom, and then he just goes back to being him. Like it was like a wake up call for him, almost like fuck you. I'm still I'm still the kingpin of crime. Agreed. Just because I'm the mayor doesn't mean you know. Just because who I am now doesn't mean I don't remember who I was back then. And I'm going to make a mess in your bathroom, and I'm going to call my spin doctor. And I, as a writer, because me, me and uh, my best friend that do the, the, the comics uh, issues, uh, we're, we're, we're working on two comics together. And we the reason oh, nice. we started this was to focus on the writing aspect. And when we got into wrestling, well, when I started doing – the wrestling podcast was to focus it on it as a writer because mm-hmm. wrestling and comics go hand in hand. But this Daredevil run with Chip Sadorsky needs to be studied. I think it's better than uh, Frank Miller's run. Oh wow, that's a, that's some high praise right there. I think because every character matters. Okay, so mm-hmm. just just to hammer this point home, the Spin Doctor, the one he called to clean up this mess in this bathroom, that guy is powerful. Yeah. Uh, the, when the the big reveal after the big uh, the big uh, melee in Hell's Kitchen, when you reve- when it's revealed that the mob the 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 chick that's running the mob the older lady sacrificed her son, she knew he was gonna fuck up, wanted the owl to murder him, so the owl could get incarcerated and, and busted. So that like wow, that was the big thing for me. Was the, Yeah, the, that was another huge one. Like that whole thing. The whole fact that, you know, Matt Murdock is sleeping with that dude's wife. Oh, like, dude. Dude And as as a cat as a, uh, I'm Catholic myself. Yeah. And like he he's a like he's a strong Catholic. Like that's why he does this. Exactly. And then at the end of the day, you know, we're all weak, you know, we're all flesh and blood and like it's 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 different when your heroes fall. Especially when they make mistakes. That's kind of one of the things I love about it is like, dude, freaking, you know, we're all human. You know, you're always like superheroes need to hold themselves to a higher standard, you know, star athletes, professional wrestlers, whatever, you know, people, 
in like those the public eye need to hold themselves to a higher standard and you know sometimes that just doesn't happen and it's mistakes really interesting when it does mistakes are made and i like the fact because we've had so many different stories where daredevil is redeeming himself and on trial or leading the hand after shadow or during Shadowland, and um I've never seen such great character development. I, I like there were so many things that happened that were like like a a trick. Like, oh wow, Electra's back. Oh, they're making love. Everything's gonna be great. No, fuck you. You forgot. Like the writing is so good, you forgot. Electra's a piece of shit, and she was using him the whole time. How did you not see that coming? Yeah. <laughs> um, the tete a tete with him and Foggy, or or dude, or when, or you remember when he had when the DA made him take his mask off. Yeah. Old guy knocking <laughs> knocking him a good one. Yeah. Point a drink, get the fuck out. Yeah. Freaking, I mean, this, this has just been, like, like you said, this has just been an incredible run. Because you never know. Like I said, that the, 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 cop, the cop teaming up with him a little bit, and then him and Wilson Fisk teaming up to take back the city, and then yeah. as soon as he's done, Fisk goes back to being freaking Fisk. And he's just like, arrest that man. He's a criminal. I love how they brought in the D-listers. Stilt man? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, fuck it. Let's have some fun. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 but Typhoid Mary, man, I, I, I really, I think Zdarsky need to do like a four-issue side story on this of like what, how Fisk found her, revamped her, cured her, blocked something in her head until like when things snapped and then when... He, like I, 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 I can't emphasize it enough. I've never felt more stupid that I didn't see something coming. Yeah, no, see, that's, cause that's the thing. I, I'm, I'm not too familiar with Daredevil's villains because I didn't, I didn't start reading it till like this last year, year and a half, and I just got into it because of the TV show. And freaking, I was just like, this. Is, I mean, it's, it's freaking phenomenal. So like, I need to. I think I need to go back and get some of the older stuff, kind of get pick up some trades and whatnot. Uh, on a Daredevil level comparison, have you seen the uh, fan-made film Dirty Laundry about the Punisher? I have not, no. I haven't even heard of it. Have you seen the fan-made film about five years ago that was uh, had James Vanderbeek about the Power Rangers? I think I heard of that one, but I never saw it. Okay, so this guy named Ari Shankar made all these fan films. Like He actually is like a uh, like production designer or something like that. He was big on the, the Carl Urban Judge Dredd movie. And, okay. and he's big on seen. he's big on the Castlevania like, like a major player in the Castlevania cartoons that have been coming out for the past five six years, but uh, he did a uh, a fan made film like they call it a fan made film, but it came out in 2012. I want to say like God, it had to come out like uh, I just started waiting at Crabtown, so it had been um, May of 2012, and it's a uh, I want to say 19 minutes long, and it is starring Thomas Jane as the Punisher. Oh, wow, okay. Um, a small casting crew, but it's called Dirty Laundry because the Punisher, Thomas Jane, is like, it starts out like, it. this is full-fledged Punisher Max. Wakes up in his van, he's got to do some laundry, he throws some shit in the laundry, goes outside and sees these people, these gangsters... Uh, fucking with this kid whose big brother owes them money, but he's like obviously straight laced. He's probably like nine years old, and they're fucking with him, and he's still not doing anything. He goes across the street and to buy a yuhu 
at this liquor store, and Ron Perlman is the ex-military vet uh, in a in a wheelchair that says, oh, okay. "Hey, do you know what I'm talking about yet?" I'm no, I, I, I haven't heard, I haven't seen this, but I'm definitely no. Interested. So I'm gonna stop right there. Uh, minefielders, if you haven't seen it, it's called Dirty Laundry. Uh, it's by Adi Shankar, and it's in black and white. And I gotta warn you, it is a hard NC-17. There's rape. Nice. There's rape. There is brutal murder uh, in a span of like 19 minutes. He did. Oh, wow. a, he did a second one called Truth and Journalism, which is impossible to find unless you find the right torrent. That is a, a fan, again a fan made film, but a perfectly true to comic form and comic pages uh, retelling of it's it's uh, the. Did you ever watch True Blood? Yeah, I saw like the first four seasons or so. Uh, Sookie's brother plays Eddie Brock, and he hires this. Uh, filmmaker group to follow him while he solves crimes but he keeps disappearing every now and then they see this thing jumping and but it's true to the McFarlane uh to the actual Michelin and McFarlane storyline Sin Eater fucked his life up Spider-Man fucked his life up there's the church we reference these people um it's it's uh it's an homage to a French film I can't remember the name but it's it's true blue Eddie Brock, McFarlane, Michelin. Then he did the Power Rangers film uh, back in, I want to say, 2016, maybe 15. And it's the – and I and the only reason I bring this up is because, like, God, you're blowing my mind with how – like, I'm going to have to have you on the show all the time talking about comics. <laughs> I'm um, down, shoot. Is, I ain't got nothing else to do these days, so. <laughs> get that busted ticket, baby. We got to get that working. Exactly. Shoot. The – and before it's just to end this little bit here is that he did a Power Rangers film starring James Vanderbeek. There's like a porn star. Uh, it was basically the idea of what happened to the Power Rangers afterwards. They were 14, 15 years old and thrown into an intergalactic war. They had no business fighting. And it's an interesting concept. Shoot. And where they would be in 10, 15 years. And it is uh, the Red Ranger has betrayed has betrayed the Rangers, and he's got Kimberly. And he's torturing her, trying to find out where where Jason is, where the where the Green Ranger is. Okay. And they even throw back to Bulk and Skull and everything. <laughs> nice. But it is a hard R. And uh, I'll send you the links a second after we're finished here because I uh, I can't tell everyone how bootleg and stuff works, but. Um, it's worth it. Adi Shakar, uh, what else are you reading? Oh, dude, I get a bunch of stuff right now. Like, uh, reading Flash, reading Batman and the Outsiders, Batman Detective, Nightwing. Uh, I like Batman. What can I say? Yeah. Constantine, uh, Three Jokers, uh, Terrifics. Terrifics is my second favorite, by the way. Um, there's nothing about that that is wrong or bad. Everything is perfect. Yeah, it's just it's just fun. It's so plastic man as the comic relief, but he's not silly. Yeah, dude, we freaking did you are deceased? Have you ever read deceased yet? Yes, and I read dude, the, when I, they come out when when you realize that thing of all of us, plastic man. Dude, I was not happy about that because I've been reading deceased against my will because I um I love zombie stuff, but sometimes at the same time I hate it. And I've hated everything until that reveal, dude. I actually, I, I've enjoyed it a lot. Freaking, uh, I thought I think it's like the first Marvel Zombies was great. 
but like everything afterwards was just garbage. Now I'm glad you brought that up because they are doing a newer one. Issue three came out yesterday, and it is the be- it is it is a superior Marvel zombies because they're not really zombies. It is imagine like telling Marvel zombies after like okay so zombies are breaking out. Uh, Peter Parker is entrusted by the Invisible Woman by Sue Storm. Take care of Franklin. Take care of the, take care of Valeria, and get the fuck out of here. And and then you see that little bit of a flash, and then it's three years later. Oh wow! Okay. Franklin has not aged a day. He's been bitten, but he hasn't aged a day, and his powers are gone because he's he's an Omega level mutant. Yeah. And um, they've got Forge with them, and his his main gun is the head of Cyclops. Holy shit. And it's basically uh, a, a Walking Dead situation. Well, they start out like it's a Walking Dead situation. Like, you know, they're mm-hmm. trying to find, you know, go to place to place, stay safe, stay away from, uh, you know, walkers. And yeah. uh, they end up in Westchester. And we end up with <sighs> zombie beast. But um, I'm not going to ruin it for you because I really think you're going to love it. Um I'm going to review it on the next issue we do for uh, the comics thing. So don't listen to that until you read it. But it is – I hated every Marvel Zombies except the original one. I mean Arthur Saddam usually does like the covers and stuff. but um, Yeah, the covers were sick. Love the covers. Yeah. Um, first Marvel Zombies, loved it. I liked – the last time I liked Marvel Zombies was in the uh, revamped Old Man Logan after Secret – during Secret War. When Logan was fighting his way through all those diff- – old man Logan was fighting his way through all those different um, battle worlds to get to Doctor Doom. Oh, OK. I, I think you would really like it. There's, issue 3 came out on Wednesday. I might have to, I might have to give that a look. Next time I'll open my shop. Shoot. W- what's your shop? Uh, I, just, I use ads actually up on Powers. Uh, the one off of – the one by the old abandoned uh, – Kmart? K- yeah. Kmart? Yeah. Yeah, I like that place a lot. Uh, I, I've been slowly rebuying uh, holes in my Spawn collection. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. I'm a big Spawn fan. Oh, Spawn, <laughs> big Spawn fans like fucking not even the word for it, man. What? Kind of obsessed. I, I gotcha. <laughs> I've been, dude, I've been obsessed since like it came out, man. <laughs> it's it's one of the few things I can legit say I'm OG Spawn. Hey, man. I've, I can't say nothing. I've got the movie, so. Oh, dude, Michael, dude, I saw a picture the other day on, on uh, yesterday, actually, where someone posted a picture of when Raphael was trying to get Kino to get into the Foot Clan. Someone posted a still of it. Uh, one of the dudes trying to get in the Foot Clan, Michael J. White. That doesn't surprise me at all, but that's hilarious. I'm going to look that up now. I've got, I've got all three of those plus TMNT. Oh, dude, the, the you're talking about the uh, the cartoon one, the the oh, so the CGI one. That one, yeah, that one was superior. Yeah, dude, I had freaking. I used to be a huge Turtles fan back in the day. I remember like wanting to go to the concerts and whatnot. Oh, dude, I, I had the Pizza Hut video. Remember you got the the, <laughs> the Pizza yeah. video and the tape. Um, mm-hmm. How bad did it fuck you up as a OG TMNT guy when it starts the movie out and Leo is gone? Yeah. I was like, geez. I mean, I've had heartbreaks before, but uh, God, tell me if I'm keeping you up too late, man, because I can keep. I'm good, dude. You're good. I don't mind at all. Freaking, like I said, I ain't got nothing to do tomorrow. So fucking Leo is gone, and then as a trainer, 
like, and I want you to think about this as a trainer. You have been, you've sent your, your highest, the person you're most proud of, your Leonardo, mm-hmm. out into the wild to fail. I mean, like, because remember, Leo couldn't come back until he learned his lesson, but he didn't yeah. realize what the lesson was until he realized that, like, halfway or three quarters into it, the lesson was that Splinter wanted him to learn how to fail. But at the same time, though, how bad did uh, Raphael, Donatello, and Michelangelo have to suffer and not be able to fight crime? Yeah, I mean, I could definitely, you know, I, I can see that. I can see that making sense with wrestling, though, dude. Because a lot of, um. You know, one of the you know, "quote unquote" problems in Colorado is, you know, nobody knows we're here. Like a lot, like the big league guys, they don't. You know, if you want to go and get a shot out there, so a lot of the old saying is that you need to go where the work is. Right. You know, you need to go to where they can see you. You know, and that's you know that's that's bigger companies, and we don't have you know anything on that level in Colorado or really anywhere around here. So, I mean, like, I could definitely see doing it. It's like, I remember when Sam Udell left to, uh, to go to WWE or, you know, um, you know, he was, he was super, super new, you know, but freaking guy looked like he was freaking chilled out of stone and, you know, good looking athletic kid freaking. And even then, you know, you don't, you never know, man. Like you figured a guy like Sammy would have been freaking, you know, had it made. Right. And, you know. It did for whatever reason. Like, I don't think I've ever actually asked him about it, but for whatever reason, it just didn't work out between the, him and the company. Can you ask a bro why? And if you, were, you I mean, you could. It just kind of, I just never, like me, like we're good, we're friends, but like I never really wanted to, you know, cross that line, I guess, because we're not, we're not super close. It, it seems like it would be one of those conversations. Did you read Old Man Logan? I did. Remember when Hawk like like an issue like thing went like ten, when Hawkeye and him are sitting at that bar and said, "What the fuck happened to the X Men?" and Wolverine puts his head down and says, "I'll fucking tell you." I'd yeah. imagine it'd be like that sort of fucking conversation. Yeah, you know, I could definitely, you know, I probably could have asked, and he probably would have told me, but you know, I never really felt like it was my business. No, agreed. And then you look at him now; he freaking, you know, he went, to, he moved out east and working pretty solidly with Ring of Honor right now and good form, dude. Like the guy the guy bust his hump and he's a good dude. You know? Well I'm not talking about getting a scoop like a reporter. I'm just talking about more about something like getting the story so you know how to teach other people to not make the same mistakes and thank God he's succeeding in in, in blossoming from this because honestly, in my opinion, I don't feel like anyone's gonna I, I feel like WWE is Disneyland and everything else is the best of the best. We got AEW, we got Ring of Honor, we got New Japan, we got Impact. Uh, we've got uh, Dragon's Gate, we've got Chikara. Well, yeah. we, well, maybe we still have Chikara, uh, depending. I, you know. I, I have not. Last I heard, we didn't anymore. But I, yeah. you know, I don't know. But even then, uh, it's one of the ones that just came in my mouth that I find more. Or or WC uh, WXW out of Germany or oh, dude, yeah. or Progress out of out of out of London. Um, God, like the only reason I still have my uh, WB subscription is because they put all the Progress on there. Nice, Sam. I'm an, I'm an old school '90s WCW fan myself. 
back when like Vader was on top and Rick Rude and stunning Steve Austin. You know, that, that's that's my jam. That's my go-to. One of my best friends has been slowly downloading all of the year-by-year year from, like, I'm going to say 97 until 2001. I think he's up to 2000 for every WCW. Wow, that's... So, uh, he's, he's, a, he's one of my best friends. So, uh, go ahead and buy a, a good uh, jump drive. Um Cause he'll hook it up. He's a good friend of mine. Nice, nice. Might have to shoot. Do you have a PlayStation or an Xbox? I've got a PlayStation, man. Do you know how to Do you know how to set up videos on PlayStation? I don't. I have to, I have to learn that little technique. Oh. I need to look a lot on a lot of stuff with technology. I got to work on, which I always mean to, and never get around to it. Super easy. You get a external drive. You format it for MS Fat DOS. And then you make a one folder that says video, not videos, not plural, just video. And then anything that you put in that video, in that in that file, you go to media player as opposed to watching fucking like Netflix and shit. It'll take a second to load. There's your shit. Huh. It's definitely it, will be worth looking into. Shoot. Yeah. Uh, Shit, you're gonna do it with a little fucking jump drive, man. As long as you label it, as long as you format it MS DOS fat, and then one folder that says video, singular, not plural, gotta say it again, um, <laughs> it'll play. Nice. But yeah, uh, I'd, I'd be happy to uh, introduce you guys because he's one of my best friends. He would, is, is, I think the only payment you would have to, to give him is to talk WCW with him. Nice. I'm definitely dude, I'm definitely down for that. Freaking like I said, I'm all about that old school freaking early nineties. Would you judge me for being a huge Vampiro fan? No, dude, Vampiro was cool at the time. I fucking love him still, man. Dude, Vampiro Vampiro was cool. I mean like that little feud he had with Kidman back in the day was freaking that was like one of the few reasons to watch that year, if I remember correctly. It's the only reason I like the insane clown posse, man. <laughs> Nice. I didn't. Yeah, they they were they were cool then, but freaking, I moved to Amarillo and it's just full of juggalos, and it was like, dude, that's a lot. Do you do you find value in the juggalos? Because I do. I'm talking about their lifestyle because these guys may, on paper, look like a bunch of dudes with shitty teeth because they've done a lot of meth, and uh, and hey, if you want to shit on me for or anyone listening, shit on me for saying that. Uh, if you want to deny that juggalos do meth, uh, fuck you. They do. Um, um, that's okay. There's a lot of reform meth heads out there. I'm not shitting on them, but there's a lot of fun, some ICP shit, man. And you know, it's their own art form. I can't deny good art Yeah. and whether or not I like it or not. Um, but it's out there and I, God, I remember when I was working at Hot Topic, man, these guys would walk in, they'd look like they probably had a dollar of their name. I'm like, hey, check out that Hatchet Man blanket. Is it $100? Yeah, and they just whip out a wad, man. <laughs> like, nice. Anything else that has this logo on it and then, but they, they rolled thick. And they I don't still know, man. like. It. I mean, it's kind of, like I said, like, it, music's like wrestling to me, man. There's different flavors of ice cream, just. I like everything from, you know, rock to country to whatever, depending on, you know, what's on the radio. What's your so. guilty, what's your guilty pleasure in wrestling? One, like something like that, not that you're ashamed to say, but that, uh, Dude, I have no shame. It's all good. <laughs> well, I'm saying that like um, what a newcomer would be like, what you like that, like 
Uh, like currently, I would say Michael Nakazawa. Uh, Michael Love Nakazawa. Michael Nakazawa. I think he's hilarious. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, every time I get out of the shower, I've always like past like thirty years of my life, I always grease up with baby baby lotion. But uh, <laughs> ever since he showed up, uh, I do it a little bit more flamboyantly. <laughs> as, as you should, as you should. Um, yeah, I remember having a conversation with one of the guys down in Texas. We work for Squared Circle Pro down there. And it was he was going off about the uh, the Moxley Omega hardcore match, and like that was like he's been he's been subscribing to a lot of the Jim Cornette theories of wrestling, and like I said, I actually trained this guy probably a decade ago, and he freaking he was like, oh my god, how garbage was that? And I was like, dude, I loved it. That's a difficult I thought conversation. It was great. That's a difficult conversation with someone that subscribed to Cornette. Uh, yeah. Well, okay. the funny thing is, the guy's freaking he's a hardcore guy. Like he does, he does a lot of the hardcore stuff, and he'll like they'll do it for, like I'm like me personally, I'm a big believer that if you're gonna do hardcore, there should be a storyline reason for it. There should be a purpose for 100%. that kind of that kind of anger, that kind of rage. 100. percent You know, it's got its own, it's got its own psychology. But like if, freaking, I remember back back in the day, I did a seminar with Abyss. Really? And like, yeah, it was freaking like it was like oh four maybe oh four oh five. He came out. We did a. He did. I we used to work for this fed called Central States Wrestling out of Kansas. It was an NWA affiliate when TNA was NWA TNA. And like every month, they would bring out a different dude. They bring out Abyss. They bring out Sanjay Dutt, AJ Styles, Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, Low Key, and freaking. I would always. I would. Always, they'd always do seminars, and I'd always do it because why not? You know, it's it's foolish not to take advantage of that because even if you get like one little kernel of knowledge. That's something you didn't have in your toolbox beforehand. Expand freaking, on that. Expand I went on up there that. and I did a seminar with Abyss, and freaking he was talking about, you know, smart hardcore. And he's like, if you're gonna do it, you know, set it up, use it right, you know, set up set up something here that they're gonna forget about, and then bam, you use it. Oh crap. And he's like, if you're young, and he's like, a hardcore match should not be as long as a regular match, because if you're beating the computer to that point where you're using weapons on each other. That's going to hurt more than you wrestling and using holds and whatnot in theory. You know, if you're doing a submission, it is what it is. But, you know, if you normally do a 15, 20-minute match, you should do a 10-minute hardcore match. Like, you're using all this excess stuff. And if you're going to do, like, the stupid, like, the, he called it the stupid stuff. Like, he's like, if you're using, like, tubes and barbed wire and stuff, it should be a lot smaller than that. Because you're not, why would you do a 20-minute hardcore match? Doesn't, doesn't make sense. Because we got to talk about psychology, but you also got to talk about whether or not it's a throwaway match, or or if if it's just a hardcore match for a hardcore match. I I personally am not, uh, God, I, death matches do not fall well on my palate. Okay, and that is because I'm just worried about people because I find most death matches are done in the spirit of let's just do a death match. Yeah, and I remember about a death match that happened uh, two years ago here in Colorado, where uh, blood was a little bit too extreme, and in we're talking about people sitting in a bar bleeding out that are gone yeah. now. Um, that really made it look bad and really shined a light on the you can't just do a death match, just do a death match, um, unless it's a great tradition and story build lines 
builds up to it because Primos always builds up to a great death match. Yeah. But, um, but sometimes some people some people take it too far and make things look bad, and or it's just a or I've seen death matches just to do death matches because how hard were some of those CSW uh, not. Uh, not Color Springs, uh, CZW matches were to watch with Moxley. Um, some of those were hard to watch. Um, yeah. It made no I mean, sense. It definitely, like, it, it's, like you said, it's not for everybody, man. Freaking certain, you know, certain shows are just, you know, not, not going to be for certain people. Pretty I think that's, like I said, that's why I love wrestling because there is a variety to it. Agreed. To where you can, you should be, everybody should be able to find something they like in wrestling. In theory. Primos has done a great job of building a great tradition for it, and they always do a kick-ass job, and everybody's taken care of. Um, but at the same time, though, um, every now and then, a hardcore match happens, and I'm not OG Lucha Underground. I got into Lucha Underground because uh, I was listening to Stone Cold on his podcast, Interview Vampiro, who was talking okay. about uh, Lucha Underground. And I'm like, what the fuck is Lucha Underground? <laughs> and... and uh, <laughs> it was right after his like 45 minute match with, uh, Pentagon jr. Before he was Pentagon dark or sent the metal, uh, like, like that. The, I think he was Pentagon dark at the time. Uh, no, he wasn't Pentagon dark yet. That was the, that was next season. Um, okay. That was next season, but the whole buildup, uh, watching, cause I downloaded them all and watching the buildup of his, like story of like being trained to Japan <laughs> by mystical ninjas and, and then coming and then hearing the voice of his uh, maestro and, and then end up being Vampiro. And then that match, that was a death match. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. I remember there was a freaking hell of a lot of blood in that nonsense. Oh, like, yeah, dude, I was, I was a freaking, I was a big fan of Lucha Underground, man. Freaking like I was a big Drago fan. Freaking. Phoenix, that was, I mean, that's where Phoenix and Pentagon got their start in the United States, and look at them now, they're freaking probably two of the best wrestlers in the world, and you would never have known about it until, unless you watched that show. I feel like an idiot, because I didn't know that Jeff Cobb was uh, fucking Matanza, man. Oh, yeah, freaking, and he was another one, dude, like, like there's this big dude, and freaking, like, I don't know if it, like, for me, it wasn't, per, like, all that great because of the gimmick, mm-hmm. like, the gimmick with the high-flying, but, like, you couldn't you couldn't say it wasn't impressive to see a dude built like that doing that kind of stuff. Like same thing with Cage, but Cage made more sense because he wasn't doing like a monster gimmick. I liked everything Cage did. Um, uh, God, everyone like Cage, Evilise, uh, uh, Angelico. Uh, yeah, I, I actually didn't like Angelico. I, I like Angelico now. Like that now that he's doing the freaking more of the submission stuff. Yeah. Like I think him and him and Jack Evans are a good little tag team. Freaking my, funnily enough, my wife hates Jack Evans with a passion, <laughs> like on a personal level. Oh damn! Like it's it's amazing the amount of hatred she has for this guy she's never met. It's hilarious. I had a girlfriend that hated Randy Orton. Like she was like, I like that guy, and like she was in the military. And I was like, he's a military deserter. She's like, fuck him and fuck his family. <laughs> like, like she's she she she'd lose it on him. Um, I I want to bring up Angelico because Angelico was the guy that taught me to enjoy the little dudes. And I'm not talking okay. about like little dudes like uh, or, or not as big as the other guys. Like, because you know, like we've got Ray 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 from like since we were kids. But yeah. Angelico was like. Guy's from South Africa, man. He's from Joburg. <laughs> yeah. 
it's, uh, it's, it's weird to be like, oh my god, that dude's from South Africa? Yeah, and I, a lot, a lot, it, it, and then him with, uh, with Matt Cross, and then, uh, I was, him and Ivelisse. Ivelisse, and I was, uh, uh, fucking, uh, dude being controlled by the evil gem, what's his name, why am I forgetting his name? Um, Mil Muertes. Uh, oh, that's it, yeah, okay. Mil Muertes. We had Dario Cueto being the eviler Vince McMahon. Uh, we had, and I, I gotta say, man, I was, I was, I'm gonna say it flat out. I'm still a Joey Ryan fan. Okay. Um, I know he's been accused of things. Yeah. But at the same time, though, I'm a hundred percent a guilty. Uh, wait, innocent until proved guilty. Yeah. I gotcha. And I know there's some things going on that are pr- looking pretty bad, but I liked his character. Mm-hmm. I, I I liked what he did. I liked the the how they stole uh, Heath Slater's fucking gimmick. Like I I need this bribe. <laughs> mm-hmm. I've got uh, I've got child support. Um, God, it, everything like I even I even made my mom watch Lucha Underground, man. Oh, nice. Because we're Mexican, man. Like, we, we love that shit. She's like, this is a novella. I'm like, yeah, with murder. And guys... Yeah, they killed everybody. <laughs> yeah. Like, they were ridiculous, dude. Like, they freaking... Like, I never thought, like, something... Like, it's it's almost it's almost like a live-action comic book. You know, they're murdering everybody. Like, it's a live-action, like, Elseworld story where they're just killing everybody. Completely. Like, I never thought that kind of... That kind of over-the-topness would work personally in wrestling but now you see like the same kind of like the anime the, the freaking specialty matches like the boner the boner yard match and Dude, I like, happily stuff played. with Hardy boys back in the day in tna like and then aew did it with the freaking stampede match and i'm just like this can work on like a national level i happily like, paid 15 dollars for that fucking uh talk and shop of mania it was a couple mm-hmm. days from my birthday, and I was like, oh, that's mine. And then, uh, God, I can't believe they pulled that off. It was it was, it was, was the worst pay-per-view I've ever seen in my life. But at least it's supposed to be the worst pay-per-view. Slash best. Yeah. <laughs> Slash best. Like, like the, the fact it's that... It's not like New Blood Rising where you were supposed to be good and it was garbage. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, at, least, at least if it's garbage, at least if it was supposed to be garbage, you're in on the joke. Exactly. And everyone had a good time. They put people over that had been put down and buried. And, of course, like, one of the best things about, like, the fucking Good Brothers, what they were uh, Machine Gun and Luke Gallows. Like, they they got their dicks chopped off the second they showed up at WWE, man. And yeah, they hated it. it. I mean, a lot, it's funny, though, because a lot of people, like, it just it happens to a lot of people. AJ, Shinsuke... Like it's just like Kevin Owens, dude. I was a huge Kevin Steen fan. I'm always and fan. like like I mean, you're gonna do what you're gonna do, man. But that's just it's just not the same, man. Like Kevin Steen was like the baddest man in the building, no matter what building he was in. The baddest man ever. <laughs> and and for like he he made he was like the last maybe not the last great Ring of Honor champion because it's probably like Jay Lethal. Uh, I but like, like Lethal was good. Dalton was good. Um, Dalton, I didn't get. Like freaking, it was like it was you know Cody got the belt and then he just lost it to Dalton Castle and it was just kind of like I didn't really feel like the build was there. I didn't think they needed it because 
Cody was already over. He didn't need the belt. They got the ring for him, and then we put it on Dalton, and Dalton's putting over some gay shit, man, and it was awesome. No, no, no. Dalton's great. I love it. <laughs> I, love the, I love the Dalton Castle gimmick. I love the freaking worker, dude. The guy's great. Oh, I loved him. Even the dudes that were working with him, and I said gay isn't because that was some gay shit, but it was great. <laughs> and the boys, dude. Like, yeah. it, was, it was set up to freaking, once, you know, if you're going to turn him heel, he just beats up the boys. It's freaking ready-made. It's just like, I don't, like, I just didn't feel like he was like, like world, like for the world title holder. I was like, dude, like it's cool, but like it's not like. Oh, obviously this guy's the man. I think. You know? I think it was the same type of wavelength when everyone hated Y2J. Chris Jericho, my hero. I say it every time. Mm-hmm. Um, when he became undisputed champion. Oh yeah, it totally was. But then again, they dude, like if you want to call poor bastards that got their balls chopped off. Shit. Y2J, dude, freaking. Like, he redeemed himself with stuff with Michaels in, like, 08. Like, well, he, he had to proved, punch his wife in the face first. Man. <laughs> but, like, back then, when he was freaking, like, you had, you had Stone Cold Steve Austin. You had The Rock. You had, you know, freaking Kurt Angle and Chris Jericho. Yeah. Really? I've never loved hating someone more than I loved hating him. And, yeah. and I'm just talking about the same wavelength between Dalton and, and, and Jericho was the fact that no one wanted it to happen, but he needed the belt. He wasn't over enough to be over without a belt. And yeah. they, they made it work as best they can. Uh, Dalton did drop it. Jay Lethal, man, got so underrated, man. I, I can't believe that this guy isn't on the cover of a million magazines or getting interviewed all the time because that guy, his in-ring work, um, his in-ring work, the way he was training guys, I mean, like – how is he not bigger than what he's doing? And people like Tessa Blanchard, people are on Tessa Blanchard's name is on more lips and tongues than Jay Lethal right now. Tessa's controversial. Like, when has Jay Lethal ever done anything wrong? Like, I know he's had people say stuff here and there, but it's always been proven wrong relatively quickly. Right. Like, I mean, the biggest thing, like Tessa's good. Don't get me wrong, she's great, but she's controversial. Like, she's out there making racket. Jay Lethal doesn't make any racket. Where do you think like, he's going like, to like Alberto Del Rio thing, dude. He's fucking crazy. He's fucked, dude. He's fucked, dude. I, I'm surprised Paige hasn't posted something like, I dodged a bullet. Because remember she had his name tattooed on her titty mm-hmm. and Poppy on her fucking fingering finger and shit? Um, yeah. Like, I'm surprised she hasn't posted something like, yeah, uh, I dodged a bullet. And, um, yeah, he's going to go away for a long time. Kidnapping, oh, yeah. rape, he's, he's, torture. He's, you know, he did it to himself, though, man. Like, He's one of those cats that had the freaking world in his freaking the palm of his hand. It all like second generation dude, good looking dude, could wrestle, could wrestle, freaking had that had a great gimmick. Like he had everything freaking there. If he'd have never slapped that dude walking out of the ring, (laughs) I don't know, man. I think I think eventually something would happen regardless. That's a good point. Like, dude, freaking, I'm a big believer in there. I mean, sometimes some people are great dudes, and some people. Some people just aren't good people. Who do you think like, deserves it? Like, it's not, but it is what it is. Who, oh, dude, did you just say Sexy Star? No, I didn't say Sexy Star. We could talk about Sexy Star, though. Oh, dude. Like, I thought you that said Sexy Star for garbage. a Like, freaking that, she was fighting that one chick, and then she, you know, messed up poor Rosemary, who didn't do nothing to her. She, dude, Rosemary was a fucking spectator in that fucking four-way. Yeah. And, and it only, her... Almost dislocating or like, what do you call it? Pulling her fucking arm out of her socket. Mm-hmm. Just skyrocketed Rosemary, who had just started oh, yeah. the, the post-Courtney 
two rosemary, and those vignettes were fucking genius. I, I still yeah. have my I have an old school rosemary shirt. The whole reason uh, uh, Minefield's logo is in uh, above danger, it's like something danger font, is because mm-hmm. that's the font on my favorite rosemary shirt. Courtney's not oh, nice. here anymore. And uh, it only skyrocketed Ro- Rosemary up to a certain point, uh, and then dude, there was a time she was the most overthinking freaking impact, <sighs> dude. Like, like, there was like a good six months to a year, like right after Abyss left and Crazy Steve had already left. Yeah, and freaking there was a there was a solid good period of time where she was literally the most overthinking in that company. Like male, female, it didn't matter. Rosemary was on fire, dude. They just weren't smart enough to capitalize on it at the time. And then Allie, Allie got over more than her. That always confused me. Demon Bunny, like, that was fun. Like, I actually bought the shirt, but, um, Allie's doing better, but Rosemary's made out of porcelain. Like, she's always getting hurt. And, yeah. And, God, I, 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 Holly, if you're listening, uh, my email's on there. Uh, just, uh, we'll get married immediately. Um, but, um, God damn, man. Okay, so we're talking about Impact. I yep. I was really worried about Impact for such a long time. It was like two years, so, like Dixie, fucking Jarrett, and then uh, uh, Corgan. And then Corgan got lost out. But then, out of nowhere, fucking White Knight comes out of nowhere. Don Callis saves everything. Like, God, uh, like, Jackal. Like, he's doing so well. Yeah, no, he's doing, they're doing, they're going great. They're probably the, in ring products, probably the best it's been in years. It, it the, like con- consistently, the storylines are great. Everything is paying off. They're taking care of their people. They did what they had to do with Joey Ryan, and I understand that. And mm-hmm. I, I hope, I hope that, I hope that he's not what everyone's painting him to be. Because I, I don't want to look. I don't want to hate the guy, man. You know. Yeah, it's hard to. I mean, you shouldn't hate somebody you don't know, regardless. But still, Matt's. That's some damning testimony right now. Especially, especially when your character is the over-sexual, touch-my-dick, fuck-everything-that-moves mm. fucking character, man. It didn't didn't bode well. Yeah. Uh, what are you watching right now? Well, obviously, you're probably watching a lot. Um, what are your favorite things to watch right now? Uh, give me a second. <coughs> Sorry about that. I had to no problem. Sorry, get out of my lungs from the surgery. Understood, man. But no, um, wrestling-wise, I'm watching AEW a lot. I watch that every week. My son loves it. Um, he'll watch it with us. Um, Impact, I try to catch as often as I can. Yeah, that's kind of, like I said, I, I personally think it's probably the best overall in-ring product on a national stage right now, personally. It, it's 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 super glossy for their production style. Yeah. Um, those are really like the big ones I watch. Like I said, a lot of watch a lot of old school WCW pay per views. Like '94, like almost every show opens with Johnny B. Bad versus DDP. <laughs> nice. and those were good matches, dude. Like freaking for as green as DDP was, and think I don't think freaking uh, B. Bad was much further along at the time, freaking if at all. But those guys were freaking going out there and, you know, making each other look like gold every night. Freaking another underrated one was uh, Vader versus Bossman. Those guys are just two big old boys just beating the crap out of each other. Oh, Bossman. And freaking, like, I remember freaking seeing Bossman just, 
like taking Vader's punches and coming right back. And you're like, how the hell he the might, that might be the baddest man on the planet. <laughs> yeah. That's some like, Ray, Ray trailer might just whoop your ass. Yeah. <laughs> like that no sell, like, is he no selling or what the hell's happening? Oh, he, he pulled it. He took, like, he, he, he was smart enough to take that and he took that ass whooping, but he just, he just came back just as strong. And we were like, dude, like you don't, you don't see stuff like that anymore. That's realistic. Especially when people are no selling and some shit breaks out, like Thunder Rosa and Ibelis a month ago, man. That well, was the thing with a lot of that stuff, though. Like not the there's you know the stuff actually breaking out, but like one of my like I said, I love I love AEW, but like I'm not I'm not stupid to be like there's no problems in the show, right? Like my my big thing is like. Dude, you'll go out there freaking the opening match, and they'll have freaking ten false finishes, and be you know going crazy. And it's like, if you're doing that in your opening match, what's left for your freaking main? Like, I just want a good opening match, dude. Give me the revival and freaking Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus for ten minutes, and make it you know have it be a good match. Frankie Kazarian and fucking Hangman was one of the best matches I've seen in a year. Dude, I dude, freaking I love anything with both of those guys is great. Anything with Daniels is great. Like Daniels is one of the guys I watched freaking religiously when I was freaking starting out. Like I even used to use the Angel Wings as a finish back in the day. <laughs> nice like, man. Yeah, I used to call it the uh, the Puerto Rican plunge. <laughs> Puerto Rican plunge. Oh yeah, dude. I think I used that for like a good three four years. Until I freaking started using the someone drop into the half power bomb. So one, one of the things that I like, okay, so AEW does have a few flaws. The one, no, thing, every, the thing is everybody's going to every Fed has flaws. I know, but for until COVID hit, NWA Power had no flaws. <laughs> I I could they, 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 they were they were solid. I'll give you that, but they're definitely. <clears throat> I like, like. I wouldn't say perfect, but it was like freaking. There's definitely. It was great. I like the. Like, I loved things. every episode. I loved every single. I loved. There was a specific amount of crowd. There was that one set over here. You could see this one set over here, and that was it. And the old school style ring dress up, the way that they would cut promos and build towards a better story, as opposed to doing that shitty Days of Our Lives thing that you would last a year. That that wasn't it, and and then you've got Aldis just devoted to the company. Such oh, yeah. someone that could be making millions somewhere else, devoted to his art form. That's what Dude, I, for, I, for the life of me, I can't figure out. I I don't know the story. I don't know him personally, but I'm just like, how have you not been like to a bigger company? Like you were Impact World Champion, and that's like I've seen some guys come down the pike that have been picked up that are like. You got that guy, but you didn't get Altus. Yeah. How does that make sense? God. And like you get, like it was like, remember earlier this year when I, you know, everyone was all like, WWE's giving out this stupid amount of money to everybody because they got the, you know, everything going on with all like Saudi and all that. Yeah, don't go to AEW. <laughs> you know, I, I've never been there, so I can't tell you it's true one way or the other, but like, you know, they were making all this big deal about these guys signing for stupid money. And like they were signing everybody they could just so they didn't go elsewhere and freaking bloated their roster to the point where they had freaking fired like 40% of their talent. Shit, man. They let a lot of good people go. Heath Slater, yeah. untapped. Uh, I know we can make fun of me for that, but I love Heath Slater. Um, the Dude, fact Slater's great. The, fact the stuff he's doing on Impact right now is phenomenal. So everything, Some of the, the, the good brothers. God damn. 
Well, like I said, another team, one of the best, one of the best freaking tag teams in the world. Like that's kind of my problem with the Young Bucks, dude. Is like they're over here talking about, oh, the Young Bucks are the best team ever in AEW, and I'm just like, dude, they're not even the best team in your organization right now. I think, I think that the AEW thing fucked them up because they were the best tag team in my opinion before AEW came on air because they were so hungry and. Then they hit this block where they're, you know, fucking senior veeps, and and now they're trying to put themselves over as heels, and they they're what they're doing on Dynamite seems legit, but then they fuck it up on fucking BTE with this silly bullshit, and yeah. and like, no, I'm not buying it no more because you're not hungry no more because you got the money, and or whatever reason, I, like I'm just yeah. throwing a reason out there, like there's. Yeah, FTR is kicking some ass. And, Dude, FT, FTR is amazing. Freaking, the Lucha Brothers are easily one of the best tag teams in the world. I think they Freaking, they might be that personal opinion. They're probably top one or two. No, I agree. I agree, but I freaking, think... Freaking, those I, guys, Santana and Ortiz can't catch a break to save their freaking life. Like, dude, how are... They, I think the freaking best friends have gotten like three or four tag title shots, and you're telling me Santana and Ortiz don't deserve one? Like, they came in, they were hot, they beat the Young Bucks at that pay-per-view last year, and then what have they done since? Well, do you Like, think, I'm sorry, they're, they're fucking amazing. Well, I Those think guys are stupid good. Oh, I think they're great, but at the same time, uh, the whole thugging Puerto Rican thing, or Cuban, whatever you want to call it. I think they're both Puerto Rican, if I remember correctly, because Diamante's Cuban. It's just one of those, like, okay, so they, I think the mistake that happened was they didn't bring in Conan. Yeah, maybe, but they, I think, like I said, I think there's too many great tag teams. Like it's it's a spoil, so you know, freaking. There's too many great tag teams. They're just it's it's overflowing. Like not everybody's gonna get their freaking gonna get their push. It just you know, it is what it is. Hmm. But it's just like I don't understand why they haven't gotten more. Like those guys are, like, they're great. Freaking, I love those guys. But, I liked them when they were LAX. I liked it. Oh, LAX was amazing. I liked Freaking. it when it was more thugging when they had their fucking Conan as their fucking drunk uncle, just like inciting <laughs> fights all the fucking time and shit, like doing the street fights backstage and shit. I mean, they've done a couple, but uh, I think they've lost a little bit of that steam being part of the inner circle because they're part of something greater than them and they were better on their own. But at the <clears> same time they needed, I think because Conan did everything he could to come in and they're like, nah, we don't need you. But, uh, I think Conan God, Conan, cause Conan was part of everything that was making everything great. Like in glow. I mean, it was Conan, it was fucking, uh, um, uh, uh Chavo. And I think they needed that little bit to to keep them a little bit more straight and narrow, as opposed to getting fallen into like a amorphous blob of inner circle. And you're good just because you're an AW. That that doesn't yeah. make sense to me. You're elite just because you're elite, not freaking. But yeah, I just like I said, I don't know. I think they should definitely be doing doing more, but you know, it is what it is. Well, man, we've been having a great conversation, man. We gotta, we gotta kick this off, man, because I'm gonna be up till four a.m. talking to you. <laughs> yeah, I could say I kind of feel the same way, man. It's been good conversation, but yeah, we've been talking for two hours or so. The um, okay, so um, I got a couple things to follow up with you after we go off air, but um, okay. it has been an absolute pleasure 
and I refuse to believe that you're done. But if you are done, I can't wait to see what you do behind the scenes to make everyone shine up because you've only shined everyone up and it's been an honor to have you on my show, man. Yeah, dude, no, thanks for having me. It's like I said, that was always the goal was to try to make make wrestling better on whatever platform I was on. So hopefully, you know, once I kinda know a little bit more and do my follow ups and I gotta do like rehab uh for my heart. Once I'm done with that I should know more and you know, maybe I'll come back on here and we can talk more about it or see what's going on. You know, there's been some offers about some stuff or doing like commentary and training and whatnot that I'm definitely might look into as well, regardless of my personal situation. Right. So, I mean, there's definitely, I'm, I'll probably be around. Yeah, you'll be around. You got to figure out what format that'll be in. Well, Besides, we, we can talk more about comic books if nothing else. Sure. We, have, we, have <laughs> all our, we all have our place in the wrestling world, man. And it's been a pleasure having the show. How do we find you online? Um, I'm on Facebook under Tony Morales. Um, you can find me on Twitter under Morales Mafia or at Morales Mafia, and uh, you can look up some. You can look up Vanity Inc. matches on Facebook. If you look up Vanity Inc. or not Facebook, uh, freaking YouTube. That's awesome. I don't know how you kids do all this fancy, fancy stuff. I'm an old man now. <laughs> I just refuse to subscribe to Twitch or not Twitch. Uh, what's the other one? TikTok. TikTok. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're not gonna be dancing. No, I'm not gonna be dancing. Oh, come on, man. you just dancing. I've seen you dance after the shows. Oh, I dance my ass off, but I ain't gonna fucking put it on some app. Some some Chinese people can steal all my information and and sell it. And 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 who gives a shit? <laughs> hey, dude, I was talking to this guy from Nigeria the other day. He said he'd give me a million dollars. I should give him my account number. So the dude hopefully that'll Nigeria? pan out for me. Dude, I fucked up. I that prince of Nigeria. I, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, this is dangerous. This is minefields. This transmission is over. Tony Morales, do not hang up. <laughs>